Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. An NFL Network analyst and on Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. A special eight and a half hours, my man. Eight and a half <laughs> hour edition Marathon. of NFL Game Day. Morning airs at 9 a.m. We're, Eastern. We're, we're giving it to them, you know? The fans want to see it. We're going to give it to them. Dude, you got yourself a cigar, man. Where'd you go? Yes, I got this. You starting me. early today or what? No, I got, you, you got know, a scotch you know for that, too? You know how it is. You, you know how it I is. don't know how you, it is. You walk around I wish here, I did, man. You get all these gifts to give you stuff. They gave me a cigar, so. Nah, I, dude, no, no, no. You know how it is. Like no one's that. giving me anything, man. Yeah, you get stuff like that. I might take it that later, though. Uh, all right, so listen, it's your 20th anniversary of your second Super Bowl win. Ah, you 20 had a, you years. You that, man? Isn't that 20 crazy? 20 years, that is crazy. It's been, it doesn't feel like 20 years, to be honest with you. I just, I mean, 20 years since the, the second one, right? Second one. Second one. Oh. So when you think about that, 102 yards rushing. 50 yards receiving, huge game. What do you remember most about that game? Uh, that we played the Falcons. And I remember before the game more than I do the game uh, because we had a chance to play the Vikings. Right. And the Falcons oh, yeah. upset the Vikings in their home stadium for the NFC title game. We were about to play the New York Jets before that game. And I remember when the kick was missed. And we celebrated like we had won the Super Bowl uh. because we did not want to face the Vikings. You know, we figured we, we, so they were a juggernaut that year, right? <laughs> oh, oh, Randy Moss was on fire. Chris Carter. They were a team that was putting up uh, 30 points a game. And not to say we couldn't have beaten them, but I like to work smarter versus harder. And we felt the Falcons we had a better matchup against. All right. So then you win that Super Bowl. The year before, I mean, just getting to the mountaintop is one thing, right? But then coming back, when you've got that bullseye on your back and you get everybody's best shot every single week, how much tougher is it to go back-to-back? It's tough, Jim, you know, because like you just said, normally on a schedule you have about four to five games that you can can circle to say, all right, these games are going to be pretty easy. We didn't have any of those games. You know, the teams that we played, even though they weren't as good, they played us like they were championship teams. So every single week we're fighting for you know, game like Cincinnati, we're down 14 points in the fourth quarter, and we're having to come back and battle. So it's draining us every single week. You can't have that kind of consistent play, you know, the entire year. You need a few weeks where you can just kind of rest and glide. We didn't have that. So that was difficult. Terrell Davis joining us. You know, you made some really interesting comments, I thought, about what Super Bowl week is like. Now, you said it's tough because there's a lot going on now. There are parties. There are things to do. You have a lot of opportunities. You admitted that you went out, quote, until about Thursday. And then you added, matter of fact, (laughs) I went out on Friday, too. I got to ask you, man, how were you able to do that and still show up and dominate the way you did on Sunday? Or is that whole thing about going out totally overrated? Is that not a big deal at all? It's overrated because here's what I was doing. I did the same thing in the Super Bowl that I did when I was back in Denver. Every Friday night. I would go out Friday night. That's, that's my night. That's our, you know, t- we're free. We go out Friday night, uh, blow off some steam, have a good time, relax. And then Saturday, you get a little rest day, and then Sunday you play. So I felt like the one thing I couldn't do was come down to a Super Bowl, change who I am and what I've been doing, because that's when you get in trouble. It's when you start doing something completely different, like, all right, it's Super Bowl, so now I need to change my routine. I'm not doing that. Now, I wasn't out at 2 o'clock in the morning. I wasn't out until midnight. I was out until about 11.59. You know what I mean? <laughs> 11.59, and I came back in. Just staying with your routine, that's right? It. Just staying that's with it, the regimen. Yeah, We're talking it. to Terrell Davis. He's a Hall of Famer. Keep, keep it. You know, you talk about the key to success in the Super Bowl. Everybody talks about this. I actually treat it like it's another game. But when you go out there, man, when you see the crowd and when you run onto the field and you realize, man, 
I've been busting my ass my entire life for this, and so have the other 52 guys in this locker room. Can you really treat it like another game? You can try, and I've tried, and you talked about it. There is a moment we all go through. The minute you walk onto that field and you hear the crowd, you see the lights, you see all the credentials, all the media, you see all this color, it hits you like a ton of brick. Huh. This is a huge game. And I'm telling you, I mean, I couldn't feel my hands. I couldn't feel anything. And I was like, all right, T, calm down, relax, reset. It's a big game, but you, gotta, you have to just kind of relax and get your, get your body and your mind back to the way you had it before. So when is the feeling? I was, I was completely drained, by the way. Guys uh, always talk about that, right? Oh, I was exhausted. Because of the adrenaline, you're exhausted already. So through pregame warm-ups, I have, I'm coming back into the locker room, and I am like, oh, I feel like I had already played a game. You can't breathe, right? Can't breathe. Right. Can't breathe. It is, it, it's suffocating. So when they talk about, let's say, um, experience, right? that's the experience you, you get. Is you, Now you know, which I did in the second Super Bowl, now I knew, okay, T.D., you can't burn yourself out in the, in before uh, you know, the game even starts. And you know how long the half times are. You know all these little things that you, the first time you're thinking about it, you're trying to figure out, but you what haven't been like? through it. You haven't been through it. And until you've gone through it, now you know and you're able to plan a little better. We're talking to Terrell Davis. He will be all over it on Sunday. Let me ask you. So Bill Belichick, as we know, wants to take away your top weapon offensively every time. How do you think Todd Gurley is going to adjust to that? And if you're Sean McVay, what are you looking to do to make sure that Gurley gets his? Get, get Gurley involved often, early. you got to get him going early. And if, if, even if you have to give him, like, screens or something that you can get the ball into his hands where he can get out in space and run – but I want to get Todd going early. You know, you got Belichick. You're right. He's going to try to take Gurley away, and there's no question about it. McVeigh has to find some creative ways to get the ball to Todd and say, hey, I know you plan to stop him, but we're not going to let you do it. And you got to be a little stubborn at times. I don't mean stubborn to the point where it's kind of reckless, where you're, you're going forward on like third and five and you're running Todd Gurley. No, what I'm saying is let's just kind of get Todd involved where he's not thinking about the last game he had and then he's building up all these anxiety about his game. Let's get him going so he feels real comfortable. Because I really feel like he's had two weeks to think about this game. And the one that he had against New Orleans, this is the time where he's like, hey, I got, I got to prove that last week or two weeks ago. T.D., what are you, what if, running back to running back, what happened to that guy? Or at least as know. you were watching him, what do you think he was dealing with? Because he didn't look right, obviously. He, he didn't look right. And I, I thought initially that he was dealing with, with an injury. And, and, and not an injury where you can't run, but one where your mind is thinking about it too much. Initially, you don't think that anymore? Well, they came out and said that he's healthy. And they, he said that he's healthy. So if a man tells me he's healthy, I'm going to believe he's healthy. I, so it's either that or what? You think he just completely just... Here, here's my thing. I, I don't believe them when they say that he's healthy because you're right. I know where you're going with that. If he is healthy, then what? Then he's shut down. That, exactly. And I don't think that that guy that's what on I'm that saying. stage is going to shut down. I, Not when he had the game he had against Dallas. That's my personal take. That's what Do I'm saying. Do you think he did? Do you think... Does that look to you like a guy who the stage will be too big for? He put it on the ground and say, hey, man. And that's it, so, turtles? So that's what I'm saying, Jim. You have, two, you have two choices here. Right. One is that you believe that he was injured. But they're saying he's not. And right. even Todd Mc, I mean, Sean McVay came out and jumped on and said, no, uh, he's healthy. I didn't get him involved. And the other, the other thing is, was the game too big for him? I refuse to believe the latter. I refuse to believe that, that. that Ty got into a game and said, oh, this game is too big for me. So that, with that said, Todd, Todd's not healthy. Terrell Davis joining us for a few more moments. Listen, before we go, I want to ask you about this. You've gotten into the CBD business. Yeah. How did that come to be? 
And what kind of an impact has that had on your body? Oh, it's changed my life. It's, it's changed my life. It's had a, it had a transformative effect on my life. After I retired from football, I had chronic knee and joint pain. I've had anxiety. I've had inflammation in my body. And for years, I've dealt with migraine headaches. And I couldn't find an all-natural solution to it. And about a year and a half ago, I was introduced to CBD, and it changed my life. I mean, it really took things away. Um, back down to my playing weight. I've been using it every single day. Dude, you do look great. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so it, it allows me to work out again and feel like I'm back to being my age. Before, I was feeling like I was a 60-year-old man in a 40-year-old's body. So um, it, it's really transformed my life. We're doing it the right way. We're going about our product. It's been uh, scientifically tested, third-party approved. And uh, we have um, three drinks that's coming out in the spring. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Can you, can you see a time where the league and team owners are going to be open to players using CBD as an anti-inflammatory product? Yes. When? Yes, soon. Soon. Because CBD is the, is the part of it. It's the non-psychoactive part of the plant. It's the, it's the one that has all the benefits to it. And so it, it's an alternative. It's a solution to the, the pain medications that people are getting sort of, uh, you know, hooked on. And so to have this product out there, it's an all-natural product. And the league has been investigating this. They're looking into a better solution for the players. I know a lot of players who use this product, and they enjoy it. I mean, it really has changed their lives as well. How could you not want a natural it's alternative natural. to something else? You know, really quickly, you mentioned uh, migraine headaches. I used to get them. I don't anymore. Do you know where they come from? I mean, was that... They told me so... What do you think? I, they, well, when I first had migraines, they gave me a list of all the things that can cause a migraine. I can't wait to hear let, it. Let me tell you this book. It's, it's like an, an encyclopedia. It's right. so big. Everything can cause a migraine. And so part of it they put me on was anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. thing called naproxen. I was taking two naproxen a day right. to prevent it. Well, the CBD, it acts as that for me. I can't make any claims to anybody else, but for me, it acts as an anti-inflammatory, so which helps with my migraines. I haven't had one in over a year. So I don't know where they come from. They told me chocolate. They told me altitude. I was going to say chocolate. That's my favorite one. Meat, uh, everything. Stress, man. Stress. Stress. You name it. I think stress. Sun. Being out in the, in the elements, so... The, the surest way to get a migraine is to sit around and think about how you don't want to get a migraine. <laughs> and then you'll get a migraine. <laughs> you get them? You get them? Not as no, much as I used to. I did yeah. when I was younger, though. Yeah. And they're not a hell of a lot of fun, actually. They're, they're, I had one, one in the game in Super Bowl 32. I don't you, know if you remember that. Do you, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. And did you, when you got them, did you have, like, a temporary loss of vision? So and I, then the headache comes. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, the same system, a cycle, every time. I'd have uh, my vision would go out for about 45 minutes to an hour. Yep. Once that returned, I'd have these pounding headaches. That's it. And then that, after that were, would go away, I'd have nausea and vomiting. That's it. You have the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly so that. that. Exactly that. And it, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't. It was just I shouldn't even brought it up, man. We'll both get them. We'll both yeah. have one within 10 yeah. minutes, man. My no, bad. I, I, I'm not getting one. I'm not getting them anymore. <laughs> if you need auto parts but you cannot get to the store just yet, Simply head on over to O'ReillyAuto.com. You can buy your parts online and then pick them up in any of the 4,500 O'Reilly Auto Parts stores nationwide. No shipping costs, easy returns, and convenient pickup on your schedule. Shop your way for the parts you need at O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. We're joined right now by a running back for the Carolina Panthers. He's already an all-pro. He set the NFL record for most receptions by a running back with 107. He broke Steve Smith's franchise record for most receptions in a single season. He set the franchise record for most yards from scrimmage with 1965, seven rushing TDs, six receiving TDs, one passing TD this season. There's more 
a Heisman finalist, a two-time All-American. He set the NCAA record for all-purpose yardage at Stanford and today appears courtesy of Old Spice and their all-new fresher collection. Christian McCaffrey, bro. You haven't played that long. That's a long resume, man. <laughs> you stay at this thing long enough, I'll, we won't even have an interview anymore. I <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, it's like a, a heck CBS of an intro, receipt, man. dude. I need that, that's I need long. That in the morning when I wake up. It'd be great. Good stuff, dude. How you feeling, man? How I are things great. going? Yeah, I feel really good. I feel really good. Yeah, I wish I was playing this week, but I feel good. All right, so you're not playing. That'd be the best thing. But, man, you've been getting after it now. Since the end of the season, you've been to Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> you teased your involvement in a documentary about football in Germany. What's it been like the last few weeks? And I got to know, how was Fashion Week? It was great. It was really good. I brought my mom and, and her best friend. Uh, both of them had birthdays around the same time, so that was an absolute blast. Uh, that was my first time in Europe, and so we, we, had a, we had a ball. It's very, very out of my element, I should say, but it was really cool to see new things and new culture, and obviously fashion I know absolutely nothing about, so it was, it was cool to kind of see the difference. Yeah, but moms had to be fired up. <laughs> she, was, she, was, she was electric. That was right up her alley. <laughs> Dude, your first time in Europe, how was that? What was that like? It was great. It was really good. It was really good. I got to see, you know, obviously the, the culture. I went to the Louvre, went to the Notre Dame, and got to see, you know, the whole history and uh, really put things into perspective. So it was, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. Christian McCaffrey joining us. Now, you finished the season, as I mentioned, with 1,965 yards from scrimmage. You could have broken that 2,000-yard mark, but the decision was made to only play that one series in the season finale. Look, I get that you're about doing the right thing, but I also get you're a competitive guy. Was there any part of you that wished you could have taken that shot and actually gotten that 2,000? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I wanted it, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's Coach Rivera's call, and I listen to whatever he says, and he's got my best interest sometimes more than I do, and uh, obviously it makes sense. And, you know, I, I didn't argue with him at all because I, I know he'd give me some flack for it. But. I was going to say, it wouldn't get you anywhere. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. So he makes the calls, man. I trust him. He, he's, he's the best, so I listen to him. You know, in the meantime, in eight of the 16 games, you played 100% of the offensive snaps for the season. You played more than 91% of the snaps despite only being on the field for that one series in that last game. So how much pride do you take in that kind of durability and the fact that that team can count on you no matter what and that you're going to be out there and you're not coming off the field? Yeah, I take a lot of pride in that. You know, I think uh, that's kind of my approach to my, you know, my training. And, um, you know, everything I do during the week is just taking care of my body and getting ready to roll so that, so that I don't have to come out of the game on Sunday, you know, unless they need me to. So, um, you know, obviously you get some bumps and bruises here and there, but I felt great all year and I was fortunate that nothing happened. And, uh, you know, very, very, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. Christian McCaffrey is my guest. So how do you approach the offseason? You had that break already, but... Do you need your body to rest and recover? Do you take time, or do you work right through it? Um, you know, you definitely I – th- I think rest is, is essential, and that's something that, that's been very hard for me my whole life is to rest. I grew up playing, you know, three, four sports, you know, always active doing stuff. And uh, even in college when the season went in, I, you know, my whole mindset was I got to get back after it now, now, and always working. And I realized that it kind of started to um, hinder – you know, my my production and kind of hindered the way my body felt and so um, I've learned from guys like Luke guys like TD you know guys like um, Greg on our team who, who are do such a good job uh, taking care of their bodies and staying healthy and they they always tell me just to rest you know give it a little bit of rest and, and wait to start training again so I took their advice this year and it's been great my body feels better than ever and uh Ready. I just started training again this last week, so excited to go. Christian McCaffrey, my guest. Listen, when you talk about multiple sports, I mean, obviously you're a different breed. You're a different kind of cat. You come from a very athletic family. I'm curious, though, the other sports, 
How much do they help you in football? And I bring it up because, like, I've got two sons, and we're all led to believe, man, you got to specialize. You can't play yeah. multiple sports. you got to play one sport. Yeah. And there's not enough time to do other sports. How much better are you off now because you played other sports? Man, I, I think it's the greatest thing you can do, especially as a kid, is play multiple sports. And, um, you know, even venture off into, like, something like music or art, you're just you're you know prepping different parts of your brain that I swear help in football and you know I played basketball you know obviously you have the jumping ability the hand-eye coordination um, you know it's fun you're still you know within a team it's a team game I ran track for you know linear speed um, you know played baseball growing up there's there's different things you can take out of that and I swear you know playing basketball running track was the greatest way to train for football growing up as a kid. Christian McCaffrey joining us for a few more moments. I know your dad's bumping around the uh, row somewhere. Now, your 107 receptions topped the single-season high for him, Ed. He had 101 in 2000. Is it something that you brought up, or does he just break out the Super Bowl rings, and does that end the conversation (laughs) right then and there? Yeah, he flashes the three rings, and the the conversation's over, so... I, I tried to make that call one time and it didn't work out. Yeah. And I've never, I've rare, I've probably seen the rings once in my life, and uh, I know if I were to ever say anything about that, he would whip them out quick. Does he not break them out? He doesn't wear them. He doesn't, he doesn't break them out. Them. Nope, doesn't doesn't break them out. Huh. Keeps I mean, them obviously, safe. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you had a lot of respect for your dad and what he accomplished in the NFL. But now that you're in that league and you know what it takes, do you have a newfound respect or even more respect for what he did in the career he had? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'll never forget Coach Rivera said something that, that hit me my rookie year. He's like, to play double-digit years in the NFL is something that, that's remarkable and, you know, applaudable. And um, my dad played 13, obviously had the success that he had, played through a lot of injuries, man, was tough. Um, you know, he had the skill set that you, that you would want in a number one receiver. And uh, just to do it the way he did, man, I think it's something as a son, you know, it's easy for me to look up to somebody who did it the right way and uh, you know, had a blast playing ball and, and gave it his all for 13 years. Christian McCaffrey, my guest. I'm going to ask you about Old Spice in one second. I want to ask you one thing about Cam Newton. He had shoulder surgery last week. I mean, listen, he could have shut it down. A lot of guys would have said, it's just not worth it. I'm not right. I don't need to deal with the pain. I'm not playing that well. But he kept grinding it out. He did everything he possibly could to get on the field every single week and try to win games for you guys. What did that say to you about him as a person and as a leader? And did that resonate in that locker room? Yeah, 100%. I think uh, Cam has got a warrior mentality. You watch him, you know, diving for the pylon. You watch him throwing out blocks on safeties, on reverses. Uh, you know, the second efforts to fight for the first downs. It's, it's um, at, you know, playing next to him, it, it motivates you. You know, it gets you going a little bit. That, that energy, that passion for the game excites you. And, uh, you know, obviously wish he was healthier. Everybody wishes he was healthier. He wishes he was healthier. But he's just got that fighter mentality in him that, that he doesn't want to quit. And um, if he's going to sit out, it's going to be the coach's call, not his. Listen, you're a Stanford man. I have great respect for guys who went to Stanford. You minored in film in college. you got to tell yeah. me about that documentary that yeah. you're involved in. Yeah. How did that first come to be? What's it about? <clears throat> so it's been going on for about three years now. And a uh, buddy of mine, Nick Alfieri, uh, who's the brother of, of one of my best friends in college, Joey Alfieri. Um, played football at Georgetown. Then he got a you know, scholarship to USC Film School, which is the number one film school in the world. About three months into it, decided to drop out and uh, go play football in Germany, a small town in Germany called Schwabisch Hall. They're the unicorns. That's why the film's called Unicorn Town. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to be a part of a documentary. He was going to film his journey. And at the time, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And you know, most of it was him sending me clips, and I'd be like, that looks great, man. He's very talented. And 
Um, you know, I, we, we would adjust things here and there, and we finished it about four months ago. Are you on camera? Or are you EPing? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not on camera. It's, it's a doc on, on his journey and the team's journey. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm help out with editing and kind of getting it out there, obviously. Um, and so I, I'm, my title is executive producer, uh, but it's, it's me, Brent, Nick, and then the cinematographer, Sven, and then we're, we're in the final stages of post-production right now. Um, but it's really us, us four, and other than that, it kind of that's all it took to make this. I mean, Nick filmed it, Sven filmed it when Nick was playing, and uh, it's a really remarkable story about this team's journey, who's a small town in Germany, and just kind of the influence American football has uh, in in a place like Europe. I mean, I, I don't think that's ever touched the screen before. So it's, I love that. It's so exciting. Where do you think that's going to end up? I don't know. That's kind of our next process. I mean, we would we would love for someone to. Um, to see it and to fall in love with it the way we did. Obviously, we still got a few things here and there where we're going to change, and uh, at some point we're going to have to just say this is it because we want it to be so perfect and we're working so hard on it that um, you know we're, we're very excited to see where it'll Dude, go. Dude, you're a filmmaker now. That's how, that's <laughs> how you do that. Before you go, you're working with Old Spice in the new All Fresher collection. It features five new body washes with real ingredients. Break it down. What is the collection all about? Well, it's been it's been great being able to work with them. Yeah, I think I mean you just hit it. Uh, my favorite this one right here, the uh, the exfoliation with charcoal is, is saying the best one. Like you said, real ingredients, uh, real results. I mean, it smells great. Um, they just uh, five five of them just launched too, so it's it's their new fresher collection, which has been which has been cool to be able to work with these guys and to see different ones of these as an athlete. Obviously, having to shower all the time, uh, it's good to have good product. And it's good to have somebody who can pitch that product. Man, you nailed that. Way to go. Thank you. Christian, really good to see you. I appreciate the time. As always, nice to have you on the show. Look forward to doing it again next season, too. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you. Christian McCaffrey. How many big plays have you missed because you were stuck babysitting the grub on the grill? There is a very easy solution. Masterbuilt Smokers. Let a Masterbuilt Smoker simplify your game day experience with the perfect smoked foods. That way you spend more time with your family and friends and you can enjoy the big game. They have the perfect smoker for everybody with options featuring the ease of electric, traditional charcoal, or the convenience of propane. Let Masterbuilt Smokers do all the work and you take all the credit. Masterbuilt Smokers are available at Home Depot, Lowe's, Sam's Club, Academy, Bass Pro, and Cabela's. And for more information, recipe, and tips, simply go to masterbuilt.com. That's masterbuilt.com. Welcome back. We are live in Atlanta, the site of Super Bowl 53. I'm on Radio Row. I've been here since Monday, and we are cruising. This has been one of the all-time weeks. Make sure you leave it all out there, man. It's really cheesy, really cheesy, really corny, but the grind does include Friday. Finish strong. Everything you do tonight, you'll enjoy a lot more if you put it out there. We're talking Packer football right now. I'm joined by a running back for the Packers. 934 yards from scrimmage. Nine touchdowns in 12 games this year. He finished the season with the fourth-highest rushing grade, according to Pro Football Focus. He was a first-team all-conference player at UTEP. He set the record for career rushing yardage and 100-yard games there. The 182nd pick overall in 2017, Aaron Jones is my guest. Aaron, good to see you, man. How are you? Good, and you? Good. I'm great. How's this week treating you? It's treating me good. Love being here at the Super Bowl. Hope you I like wish I was playing in it, but... Always. That's the best thing. But as you look around here and you see Radio Row, it seems like you get acclimated pretty quickly. What do you make of this whole scene? Uh, it's very fun. Uh, you never know who you're going to see here. You know, you're walking by. Like I saw Kevin Hart earlier. saw Tiki Barber. 
Like, you never know who you're going to see. Now you're slumming it with me, man. <laughs> no, no, that, no. That'll like, happen, I'm, dude. I'm glad to be up here with you. Now you're in the ghetto with me, <laughs> man. <laughs> All right, so earlier this week on Wednesday, you and your twin brother, Alvin, were at Fort Bliss in El Paso to spend some time with soldiers, present some memorabilia. What was that visit like? Uh, it was a special visit. Uh, that's where me and my brother, well, when we first moved to El Paso, we lived on base, and I lived there up until I went to college. So I grew up there seeing the whole, pretty much the whole base get built and everything. So it was like, it was an honor to go back and just thank those soldiers for protecting us, giving back, and um, getting, being able to meet them. So when they saw you come back, I mean, obviously they remembered you. What was it like for them to see you? How, how did they react to you when you came back and your brother? Oh, they was very excited. Can, can we get pictures, autographs? Uh, even had some kids come up there with 33 jerseys, and that gets me excited. That gets me going. That's really cool. Aaron Jones joining us. Now, for those who don't know, you and I have talked about in the past, but your father is a retired Army Command Sergeant, Army Command Sergeant Major Alvin Jones Sr. Your mother, Virgis, served 27 years before retiring as a sergeant major, what was it like growing up with two parents who served? Um, it was a lot of yes, sir, no, sir, uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Using your manners, being respectful, being cordial, being on time, um, and just getting your schoolwork done. Schoolwork was the most important thing, and then it was sports. So if we handled our business in, in, the, in the classroom and used our manners, we wouldn't have any problems at home. Did you always handle your business in the classroom? And if you didn't, then what happened? Um, I always made good grades, but, like, it would be sometimes in the semester where you start doing a little worse than before. And that's when my mom would get on me, and uh, she would make sure I get, get back right and let me know educa- education is everything. Education is the most important thing. You learned some amazing lessons, but it's not easy. Like, for instance, your parents served a combined 56 years it included a number of overseas trips, including a time in 2003 when they were both in Iraq. At the same time, that could not have been easy. What do you remember about that time when they were both gone? Oh, no, it was definitely not easy uh, as a little kid. Uh, I think I was in second grade at the time, second or third grade. No, I was in second grade, and um, my dad left first, and then my mom was like, hey, I have to leave. You guys are going to go with your aunt and uncle. So um, my grandpa came and picked us up and drove us to Virginia from Tennessee. Um, and we were in Virginia starting school. Uh, it was definitely hard being away from my parents at such a young age. Uh, and when that's all you know, um, you come home from school and they're there. They pick you up from school. And so that's all you know. And then not knowing if they're going to come home. You hear a war. You don't, at that age, you don't know. You, you hear about war and when you're learning in school and you're thinking, oh. Did, did you understand what they did exactly, precisely at that age? No, I, I, a little bit, but uh, when you hear war, you, uh, you think, like, I, the first thing at that age, um, I had never seen a war, been around a war. So coming from, like, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, their front lines, they're shooting. So that's what I'm thinking at that age. And wow. um, I'm not knowing if I'm going to see my parents. And so it just it just it, it, it played a role. Like, it, it hurt. It hurt. Dude, that, that is really heavy. I mean, not only to be with your parents, to be separated with your parents, but not know if they're coming back or not. Aaron Jones joining us. But they did, of course, and your father set up retirement so he could be out of the Army by your senior year of high school, and he went to every one of your games your college career. Your mom attended all but one. What did that level of support mean to you? Uh, it means everything. They're showing me the, the right way. When I have kids, um, they show me the right way. I'm going to be there, be very supportive for my kids. And it just it gives me a sense of comfort when I can turn and, know they're in the stands i might not be able to find them but i know they're there or some some most games i can't find them i'll I'll turn around i can spot spot them two out i don't know how but 
I can. And it's just a sense of comfort. Uh, and I just turn to see them like, okay, I can play my game. Packer running back Aaron Jones joining us. You know, you scored on a six-yard run against Minnesota. I want to ask you about that. You and Devontae Adams dropped a crank that dance on everybody. <laughs> first off, where did the idea come from? And then how pleased were you with the execution? Uh, so first, I want to give a shout-out to my uh, former teammates in college. Uh, my group of friends, we, we uh, lived in a apartments so we call each other Kalinas boys that was the name of our apartments uh one of the guys texted me he's like hey you should do the soldier boy i'm like soldier boy he's like yeah and then so uh right before we went out um on the field i told Tay, i was like hey i'm gonna do the soldier boy if i score he was like all right we could do it if i score or you score and i was like okay so no practice we just got out there and I, I didn't realize how hard it is to dance without music <laughs> and like dance in front of somebody try to be on the same beat like everything so that was pretty hard but it was fun i mean like you said crank that like nobody did it so it was it was fun um creative and hey, listen this might not be the end of it either you guys nailed it you and Devontae are up for celebration of the year at tomorrow's nfl owners now you know you're up against the titans bowling celebration the chiefs cpr celebration the seahawks choreography celebration how do you like your chances tomorrow night and what would it mean to bring that hardware home uh it'd be, it would mean a lot uh, i'd be very happy to bring that home uh I, i'm gonna talk about the other celebrations uh cpr i mean that's break it down for me the the bowling uh that, that, they're, they're all good celebrations don't but the bowling we've seen that you've seen that before okay cpr that's that you could do that you've seen that before i've seen I it mean, i could do it Nobody else would have done the Soldier Boy if I wouldn't have done the Soldier Boy. They might have done it this year because Soldier Boy is starting to come back out. Right. But nobody would have done the Soldier. That's a classic. Okay. And it wasn't practiced. It was just, hey, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with you. Okay. I like that. Uh, the Patri- I'm not the Patriots. Sorry. The Seahawks. There, theirs was really nice. But they they practiced that. That was a they, like they. Is that your biggest competition? Do you think? The I Seahawks? think it is. I think it is. If, I feel like if I don't win, they they're going to win. But uh-huh. I hope I win. All right, we'll find out tomorrow. That's going to be good. You know, ultimately, the season didn't go the way the team would have liked, and it led to Mike McCarthy being replaced as head coach. When you look back on the season, what do you think? Uh, when I look up back on the season, we had uh, we were in every game. We pretty much in every game, and uh, we just had to finish at the end, and we didn't. And um, towards the end of the season, we, we got there, but it was a little too late. Um, but I feel like that was the biggest thing. Like, we the Rams. Uh, we were in the game, came down to the last possession, um, fumbled um the Patriots we're we're in that game uh I fumbled in the fourth quarter um so like it's, it's little mental mistakes that we can correct that's on us and we're right we we feel like we're right there we're we're right there on the cuffs we're right there with the two Super Bowl teams there's no reason we shouldn't be here we just had things we had to fix and I feel like we're better for that and next year's our year we're talking to Packer Aaron Jones for a few more moments you know early in the season it seemed like you were not getting a lot of carries Packer fans were getting angry. They were confused, kind of freaking out because every time you did touch the ball, you were putting up numbers. Did you yourself understand at that time why you weren't getting the carries that maybe you would have liked, and did it confuse you too? Uh, no, sir. I didn't know why. Um, only thing I could think of was coming off a of suspension. Um, coach trying to punish me. I, I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't ask. I just do what's told of me, and if they going to give me the ball one time and I'm going to make the most out of that one carry. If they're going to give it to me 10 times, I'm going to make the most out of those 10 carries. So um, I don't ask questions. I just do what I'm told to do and go play my game. Well, then starting in late October, though, they started feeding the ball more and you started to put up numbers once again. What was that like? And when you're getting consistent work, is it a lot easier? It has to be to get into a rhythm. Um, it, it is easier to get get into a rhythm. Once you uh, get a couple carries, you get, you get in the flow of the game. Um, then 
the defense doesn't know where they're going to pass or run the ball. So then it opens it up for you. And then with 12 at quarterback, I mean, they're, they're going to want to play another DB on the field. So it's going to make it easier for me. Yeah, what about 12? As an example, like, what's it like playing with Aaron Rodgers? You know, when you, when you first get to the team, is there any... Look, you're a player. You earn the right to be there. But is there any intimidation at all in playing with a future Hall of Famer like that guy? Or is he just one of the fellows? Uh, well, you know you better be on your P's and Q's because um, he knows so much. Like, he knows what everybody's doing on the field. So he it just expects you to know your job. Like, not everybody else's job, but your job. If he can remember everybody else's, what everybody else has to do, he expects you to be able to remember yours. And um, but if you don't like, be like, hey, what do I have on this route? He'll tell you. But he makes the game he makes the game easy for you. He'll be like, on a blitz pickup, be like, yeah, you have him, you have him. So it makes it easy for me. I don't have to read, read, read. I can look, look. If they're not coming, I'm out on my route. So he makes it easy for me. Or even like when he holds the cadence, you see guys who are up on the line of scrimmage running out, and then they're like, they gave away that they're not blitzing or they gave away that they are blitzing. So that helps me out. I know I'm picking him up then. If he, if he shows he's blitzing and you hold the cadence and he stills there, I know he's coming. Aaron Jones, my guest, you know it. Now, when you look at the weapon jab on offense and you've got a new head coach in Matt LaFleur, how excited are you for the coming season? And what do you think that new offense is going to look like? I'm very excited. Uh, we have a lot of weapons um, coming back next year, and I feel like we have some of the best weapons in the league. And um, I'm excited about the new head coach. I haven't got the chance to meet him. I know um, they run a lot of outside zone schemes, so I'm ready for that. And um, he likes to be balanced. I did read that, so <laughs> I'm ready. Do you think that that's something that could turn around pretty quickly? Could you be looking at a postseason or a playoff berth next season? Could it turn that fast? I definitely think so. I definitely think so. Uh, I feel like a lot of times it, it does have to do with coaching, but it's players in the locker room. Like if we, you have you, you're gonna have your core veteran guys back. So we we will be under a new system, not not the defense, but the offense. We'll we'll be under a new system. But you get that system down, and you have the veterans in place. It, it shouldn't be no let off, even with the new coach coming in. Change shouldn't affect that. So last thought in the off season, you're gonna work with your brother Alvin. You played linebacker at UTEP. And he's going to line up across from you while you run routes. What do you think those battles are going to be like? Have you started that work yet? Uh, I think the battles are going to be just like uh, old times when we were little kids going at it. I think my dad might have to come break us up once or twice. Um, no, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to get both of us better. And that's what I love about having my brother there, my twin brother. He's always there with me, pushing me to get me better. And it, it helps that he plays on the other side of the ball. He plays uh, linebacker. I can ask him, like, hey, on this play, like, what did you see? Like, what could I have done better? Like, what are you reading? Or on, on this play, like, you have me, man, what, what are your thoughts? Like, are, you, are your thoughts not to let me inside? Like, just things like that. And like you said, I can line up and run, run routes against them. Like, not every, like, if you're, if you're a single child, you, you can't go and run routes. You run, run, run routes on air. Like, you can't. You don't have anybody. So it's that's why I'm, but, but, I'm thankful for my brother. So what's it like? I mean, are you guys, like, out there trying to kill each other? But Or as twins, is it all about building each other up? Now it's about building each other up. We used to try to take each other's heads off. <laughs> right. How could you not on uh, some level, right? Yes, sir. Even in college, we would, uh, coach would make us go against each other every now and then, and we would try to take each other's head off. And now now we're not on the same team. And so now when we're training, it's more. But I do miss the competition with them. I was going to say, man, so, like, was it weird and was it hard or was it cool? I mean, I would think that playing with your twin brother would be the best thing of all unless you got to go at this guy every day in practice. Uh, it was – I feel like he made me better. It was a, it was a lot of fun for me uh, going against him. Um, he only hit me really once. Um, that we 
we got into it after that. But other than that, uh, he would just tag off on me. But he, he would definitely make me better. Packers running back had 934 yards from scrimmage last year, nine touchdowns in 12 games, and looking forward to another big season. Aaron Jones is my guest. Aaron, good to see you in person. I really appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time to do that. Hope we can do it again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. We are joined right now by a Super Bowl champion. I know that because he sat down, and that bling was right there. You cannot miss it. 14 seasons with the Colts, 123 career sacks, most in team history, named to six consecutive Pro Bowls, Retired with 47 strip sacks, most in league history. The pride of McNair High School right here in Atlanta. 138th pick overall in 2003 out of Alabama A&M. And he finished up his second season as a pass rush consultant and player development for the Colts. I'm talking about Robert Mathis. Robert, good to see you, man. How are you? Man, I'm ecstatic. Thanks for having me, man. It is really good to have you here. We talked not long ago, but it's really good to see you in person. We're in your hometown of the ATL. What's it like having Super Bowl here? Uh, it's electric, man. This is my city, born and raised. We like to refer to ourselves as Grady Babies, which is the hospital here. So everybody here, the whole world is watching the city, and uh, we, we tend to put on a good show. All right, so we're looking forward to that. Coming up this weekend, and the week's been good so far. I got to ask, what's it been like working as a member of the Colts staff? What has the experience been like? It's been, it's been, it's been awesome. But uh, for them to allow me to just transition straight from playing to, to coaching ranks, uh, they've done a great job of just grooming, just helping me out, and just the things that I didn't know coaches went through. Uh, I had to go back and apologize to a few guys. I didn't know coaching was this, this <laughs> tough, man. <laughs> But uh, it was, like, it's what, awesome. what, did, what did you not know about coaching that you now know? Oh, just the amount of hours you put into a single project uh, only to give it to a player and they just look at it for a quick five seconds and just kind of toss it to the side <laughs> and just kind of restraining that, that anger of telling him, like, hey, man, I put a lot of work into this. And, uh, but just learning how to teach and coach. Those are the, are, the, are the key elements that, that's helping me a lot. Robert Math is joining us. I mean, I mean, that was not the plan, right? You were not looking to get into coaching, and now you are. So when you teach and coach, let me ask you, are you teaching and coaching technique, or is it more about the mentality and the, psycholog- the psychological things that you need to be an elite pass rusher? It's a little bit of uh, everything. It's kind of a buffet. So I really love teaching guys the, the, chess, the chess side of pass rush. People think it's just get off, get off on the ball and let the things fall in place. Like, no, there's a lot of planning, uh, attacking, working. Just everything is kind of tied together. So I would like to just want to teach the younger guys how to, how to, how to do it. Robert Mathis, excuse yeah. me, joining us. i got to ask you, Robert, watching that team this year, that's a physical football team. A <clears throat> physical football team. They'll line you up and punch you in the face. What did you think watching that defense? Did you see that physicality? Yeah, brought a tear to my eye, man. It's, these guys are. We have a lot of. We have a lot of young guys, and they're they're they bought in instantly. So they're playing hard and just want to get better each and every day. And it's a competition to see who can hustle the most. And that's that's kind of how I hung hung my hat on hustle and just every day showing up lunch pail. But it's it's just awesome, and it's being led by our young linebacker, uh, Q Dog Team, uh, Darius Leonard. So he's he has a great future ahead of him he's got an amazing future ahead of him he had such a great year i know that the two of you talked early on he tells a story about how the two of you talked at the combine and that you connected because you both went to an hbcu right and you told him that means you're going to be overlooked make sure you put that chip on your shoulder what do you think when you watch him do what he did as a rookie he plays exactly 
like he has a chip on his shoulder. Every play is his play to make uh, without aborting his responsibilities. So the kid, he, he's a student. He's already a student of the game. He's a professional at practice, uh, rehab. Just everything about him is he's, he's a way ahead of schedule. And that's, that make, that's, it was no surprise, this, this success. Robert Mathis joining me on Radio Row here in Atlanta. You know, you played your high school ball at McNair High School. That's maybe 20 minutes from right here. Now, if yes, you sir. were to go back in time and told a high schooler, Robert Mathis, that someday in the future you'd be an Indianapolis Colts legend and now a member of that <clears> coaching <throat> staff, if I told that guy then that it would all play out like this, what would that guy then have said? I would have told you to get out of my house, you crazy guy. Because <laughs> that's, that's, things like that don't happen to people like me and where I come from. So it just lets you know that dreams are meant to be achieved and uh i it's just been a magical ride man i take nothing for granted just appreciate every moment of it so yeah shout out to boulder chris road 1804 east atlanta zone six there you go (laughs) you know listen one of the reasons i asked you the question too is because the journey the journey started not far from here and it really is something truly special your mother emma played a huge role in this she passed away in 2014 What was your mom like as a person, and what kind of an impact did she have on you? She was my rock, and I mean that every sense of the word, uh, emotionally, physically, and just taught. She really taught me how to be a man, you know, just the way she went about her, her work, her daily, her daily activities. She would wake up 4 a.m. She would pray for an hour, get ready for work, get us ready for school, uh, go to work, come home, <laughs> and put us to bed. Dinner. I mean, she was she was a superwoman. She raised super, super six woman. kids on six, her own, didn't she? Six, yeah, solo. She she was a boss. <laughs> and woke up at four o'clock every morning. So, like, yeah. what kind of an example did she set when it comes to working hard, grinding, being diligent, disciplined? What kind of an example did she set? And what'd you learn from her? Uh, a huge one. She's the daughter of a sharecropper, and so it was. You wake up and get it done. You know, excuses kind of was it was not tolerated because. You waste time, all this talking and making excuses. That's time you could have made getting, getting the job done. So, Robert Mathis, my guest. You know, yeah. The story goes also that at a certain point, you knew that you were going to do whatever you had to do to provide for your family. So when your high school guidance counselor asked you what you wanted to do with your life, you said, <laughs> what did you say? I told her I'm going to be an NFL football player. And she said, great, that's awesome. But just in case, what is your plan B? Plan B was to be an NFL football player. All right, so there was no other plan. This was going to happen. There were a lot of people who thought that you were an undersized defensive end in high school. How did you know that you were going to get to the NFL? I did not. I was just playing, playing, playing football, just the way I know how. I didn't know all the plays. I just know the run somewhere as fast as I can. <laughs> Good things happen when you hustle. So I just took it one day at a time, uh, enjoying the friends, the football aspect of it. And uh, that was basically Nature took its course. There's one more part about that, though, Robert. Robert Mathis, my guest. You said that you kind of brainwashed yourself. <laughs> yes. And you kept telling yourself, get to the NFL, yes. get my mama a house. Mm-hmm. Get to the NFL, get my mama a house. How much did that drive you and motivate you every single day in all your decisions? I'm serious when I say I brainwashed myself. Because since I was four years old, I said every day of my life that I'm going to be an NFL football player. I want to be Barry Sanders. Didn't quite work out like that. But, uh... I was just, I was convinced that I could, I could make it, but it actually happened. That was, that's kind of a different deal because of, like I said, 
the area you come from, there's just a lot of obstacles, but if you want to achieve it, man, it, it can happen. Yeah, but even then, man, it was hard. It even was, then, yeah. even with that focus, tough. I mean, there were not a lot of schools recruiting you. Right. You made your own high school highlight tape. <laughs> you sent that out. <laughs> Alabama A&M offered you a scholarship. What do you remember about receiving that offer, and what was your time like there? It's very special to me, and I never forget it because I had one offer coming out of high school. We were three and seven, and not a very good at that at the time. A lot of talent, but not a good record. But the guy that they wanted, Alabama and them, turned them down on, on signing day. So they just so happened to have one surplus offer offered to me based off of offensive play. I play offensive line, guard wow. in high school. So got a quarterback threw an interception, and I, it was a hustle play. Chased down, the guy made the tackle, but it was nothing that I did on defense that got me the offer. It was that hustle play as an offensive lineman. That's incredible. So my decision was easy. So what was your time like there? <laughs> it was magical. Uh, I wouldn't trade my experience for the world. Uh, Alabama and them on the hill. Normal, normal Alabama. So it was swag, by the way. It was great. Uh, friends, family, just this lifelong relationships established. Uh, uh, Omega Sci-Fi, uh, Maroon and White Bulldogs, everything, man. I loved it. Robert Mathis joins me for another moment or so. And then in your second year in the league, you're putting up big numbers now. The <laughs> phrase that you repeated to yourself, the phrase you brainwashed, yourself with get to the nfl get my mom a house you got to the nfl and you were able to buy your mother a house what was that moment like at that at that moment that was probably the best time of my life that was the greatest moment because every son wants to buy their mom a house the car you know everybody has the same story but to see tears of joy see that happen i it was nothing i could compare that to because two two or three years prior we had gotten put out because she was paying her rent, but our landlord wasn't paying a mortgage. And so to see her cry crocodile tears because out of helplessness, she pays the rent, get up every morning to get the money to pay the rent, and she's doing what she's supposed to do. He wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. So we get our, our furniture's in the front yard. And so I'm looking at my mom cry this hard, and it, it triggered something. And this was like uh, my sophomore year in, in college. And that's when I really got just really dialed in. So, okay, somebody's in trouble on the football field. I have to do this so my mama would never feel this way again. And it, it, it all worked out. So, I'll say, man, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Last thought, you're one of the best to ever do it at that spot. So I've got to ask you about Aaron Donald. What, <laughs> is he, what does he look like to you from that defensive tackle spot? And especially at that size, how is he able to dominate games the way he does? It, it's amazing because... You know, I personally feel he's the MVP. 20 sacks at the defensive tackle position, that's five sacks is tough. This man had, he had 15 to that and a half, I'm sorry, 0.5. The hand, the hand combat, the speed to get off the pout, I mean, he's the complete package. It's just because he's short. Things that, you know, you always hear, no. It's about the dog in the fight. It's not the size of the dog. It's about the dog heart. So he brings... He brings pain every snap, and I love watching him uh, show my guys film. It's, this guy, he's the real deal. Robert Mathis is a Super Bowl champion, mm-hmm. 14 years with the Colts. He's now a member of that coaching staff as well, and an amazing story, and not far from his home. <laughs> my man, I appreciate you very much. Really good to mm-hmm. see you. Thanks oh, for doing man. that. That was Thanks fun. Thanks for having me. That was awesome, man. Let's be sure we do it again next season. Big fan of it. You too. Robert <laughs> Mathis joining us. What a great story that is. He had an amazing career. 
So, watching football is great, right? Yeah, well, it's a lot more entertaining when you've got some action on the game. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, then you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn 100 bucks into 600. There is so much to bet on. Football, NBA, NHL custom props, even eSports, you name it. My bookie is the one bet that I know you'll be happy with all year long. I recommend these guys because I trust these guys. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. Sign up this week, and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Do not miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use the promo code ROME and you'll get a 50% deposit bonus. Once again, promo code ROME. You play, you win, you get paid. We're joined right now by a running back for the New Orleans Saints, a two-time Pro Bowler, rookie of the year in 2017 nearly 1600 yards from scrimmage this season second most tds this season with 18 he was the 67th pick overall in 2017 if you're watching on cbs sports network you already know this he is appearing courtesy of gatorade and their limited edition flavor created specifically for super bowl 53 alvin Kamara, my yeah, guest yeah. alvin what's up man how you doing Nothing. what's going on good to see you, man how's your week going man it's going good you know back at home it feels good it's got to feel good. It's always good to come home. Yeah. Man, whoever made that noise about you can't go back? Of course oh, you yeah, can go man, back, you man. you got to go back. <laughs> For sure. You can't leave. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I had Saquon Barkley on the show, mm-hmm. and we talked about his pass rushing skills that he showed off during the Pro Bowl. You got to get after the quarterback a little bit. You looked pretty comfortable doing it. Yeah. In fact, you blew right by the tackle. You were in there in a flash. What was your strategy, and how good did it feel to be on the other side of the ball? I made it feel good. It's fun. Uh my strategy was just to use speed, <laughs> try to get, get some speed and get around uh, Taylor. You know, of course, Taylor's a great tackle. Uh, we just having some fun. Just, your strategy is what it always is, man. Use your speed. Yep, yep. Use your speed. You're two years into your career, and you're already doing things that have never been done in the game before. Yeah. I mean, if we're being real, when you got into the league, did you expect to dominate like this, or maybe does it come even as a little bit of a surprise to you? Man, really, I just came in and, and just just put my head down and was like, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And, you know, what comes from it comes from it. So, you know, of course, the success that I've been having is definitely a blessing, you know. Um, and, you know, I couldn't ask for a better situation. Um, you know, I've been putting in a great situation. Um, been trying to take advantage of all the opportunities. Alvin Kamara joining us. Everybody talks about how humble you are despite the fact that you're a pretty amazing player already. Yeah. Where does the approach come from? Where did the humility come from? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, just humble beginnings. Um, my mom, you know, raised, raised me the right way. Uh, and, you know, I just, you know, just learned over time never to get too big for the, for the moment um, and just take it step by step, day by day. You know what happens, too? Like, when you're the guy and you're used to being the guy and all eyes are on you and people are counting on you, yeah. you sometimes forget about the other people who made sacrifices so you could be in that spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, think, how, yeah. what kind of a commitment and sacrifice or sacrifices did your mom make so you could be where you are right now? Man, a lot from, from moving around to, you know, I mean, working, you know, shifts that, you know, I mean, it was obviously just hard, I mean, on any parent, especially a single parent, so... Just putting, putting me and my, my brother and my sister in position to be successful, uh, doing everything she can, sacrificing you know, her, her life, basically, to, to make sure we got to where we need to get to. It seems to me one of the things that really sticks out to me watching your offense is the way you and Mark Ingram 
not only support each other, yeah. but pick each other up. It yeah. seems like you guys have a really tight bond. How would you describe the relationship between the two of you? Man, like brothers, you know, uh, I kind of, we, 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 we take care of each other. I mean, whether it's on the field or off the field, um, you know, so it definitely, it, having that relationship definitely translates to on the field, you know, um, no matter what, we got his back. Dude, that's unusual though, right? I yeah, mean, it's unusual yeah. when you have two elite running backs, I mean, one's going to feel threatened. Yeah. The other guy's going to want as many touches as possible. And if that guy's taking those touches away, it's going to be an issue. It usually is, but it's not between you two at guys. All, How all. come? How does that I work? Mean, it's, just, it's just not, you know. I mean, some games, you know, the flow might be going in Mark's way, and I'm like, hey, just hey, hold on to the ball and let, let's go. Let me know if you're tired, and I'll come in. That's it. And, you know, we just keep we just keep it moving like that. So, you know, I just want, I want him to do the best he can. I want him to do, you know, have all the yards, all the all the touchdowns, all the accolades, everything. And, I mean, he, he wants that for me, too. So it's easy when it's like that. Dude, I was going to say, if he was sitting right here, he would say the same thing oh, about yeah, you. for sure, for sure. So when you watch him, and you guys are different kinds of runners, when you watch him, what do you admire most about the way he plays and his running style? Yeah, his, his anticipation to the, for the whole, um, you know, his, his feet. You know, Mark has great feet. Um, you know, just just his overall awareness and like you know, he's a smart player. You know, he knows how to how to manipulate defenses and, and you know make people miss. And you know, he has speed. People, a lot of people don't think he's fast. You know, he has speed. He can run. So, you know, it's a lot of things about Mark game, Mark's game that you know I watched that helped me. You know, become the player that I am right now. Dude, that's got to piss him off a little bit, right? People calling him out for a lack of speed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, people, yeah, but a lot of people think he's so. He's not I mean, slow he, at all. He's not Alvin Kamara fast, nah, but I mean, he, he can run now. He can run <laughs> he, now. He fast, Mark fast. Is he getting run down from behind very often? Uh, nah, nah, nah. Uh-uh. Alvin Kamara joining us. Listen, he. You can you can only control what you can control. Yep. You're about your own business, but he is a free agent to be. Is there any part of you that's worried? that you may not be together next year. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, you know, with this business, it's, it's business first. So, But I, me, personally, I'm just putting good energy out in the air. He's going to be back next year. That's how I feel. Well, if you like that question, you'll love this one. Here's the best part of the interview. We're asking about the NFC Championship game. Yeah. When I mention that game, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? A scam. <laughs> That's all I think. You know, uh, obviously, we all know what happened. We saw what happened with that, with that call. Um, it's unfortunate, and it's um, it's definitely. I mean, it's one of those things where you where you feel taken advantage of, as far as uh, from a trust perspective, with, with you know the league and what they're trying to do, or the referees and what they're trying to do. You know, it's it's hard to moving forward and think you know that we're going to get good calls and, and things like that. So, feel like you got robbed? Yeah, most definitely. Do you feel like we got robbed? <clears throat> Here's my bottom line. I, I think that you guys had your opportunities. You were up early. Yeah. You probably should have finished them. However, if they get that call right, and there's no reason not to get that call right. Yeah. Then you've got they've got one timeout left. You take we a few won. knees, you spin clock, you kick the ball, you get off the field, and you and I aren't having this conversation. Yeah, exactly. So that's all that matters. We win. I, I, I see we, both sides. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's not the reason you lost. But if they get the call right, you would have won. How's so that? It's a, so it's the reason we lost. <laughs> so it's the reason you lost. Yeah. It's not the reason you lost, but you would have won. See, I've done this 30 years, man. I can do stuff like that. I can manipulate the language. Oh, yeah, you can do that. We, but you can watch that play. You're, 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 you're right just there. not buying it, right? When, yeah. when, you, when you see that play, what do you think? I mean, dude, he not, not only did he hit him before the ball arrived, he didn't turn around to find the ball. He hit him in the head, and he I did mean, it early. So I what mean, do you think when you see that? I mean, look, this, is, this is how I, I see it. One, the league fined him $26,000. After the fact. There is that. So where's the flag for, for the helmet, the helmet? One. 
that's a pass interference. The pass interference and the helmet to helmet hit. So why find them after the fact? Why not throw the flag and just eliminate all that? That's how you know. I mean, it's a, a hit dog always hollers. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a guilty party. A hit dog always hollers. Yep. All right. And there was a fine there, too. Yep. We were talking to Alvin Kamara. So what do you do then? I mean, obviously, you're still working your way through this process. Yeah. You're going to watch the Super Bowl. Like, a lot of guys uh, who don't play don't in the know. game aren't going to watch it. But then a lot of guys who don't play in the game didn't have that call against them. Yeah. So what are you going to do Sunday? I don't care. I'm chilling. Just be chilling on Sunday. Uh, be around some friends and family. And just, you know, I don't really care to get for the game or the outcome. You think that's going to stay with you for a pretty long time, or you give it a few more days, and you'll be over it? Uh, I'm cool. I mean, I'm cool right now. You know, um, it's out of our, it's out of my hands. It's out of our hands. You know, we leave it up to you know uh, the NFL to do what they feel like they need to do. Hey, listen, one thing about the offseason, I was checking out this video. It went viral. You working out where you carried a weight rack on yeah. your shoulders. You dragged a jeep behind you, dude. Where did that workout come from? How did that feel? Oh uh, man, uh, it was actually. I mean, my guy Coke Coletti, he's down in New Orleans. He he trains. You know, a lot of guys. Um, and, you know, he, I, I called him one morning. I'm like, I'm about to come work out. He's like, all right, come on. So he's like, we're, pulling, we're going to pull a Jeep today. I'm like, all right. I'm thinking he's playing. So he reversed the Jeep out the, out the driveway, <laughs> gets the, gets the uh, squat rack. And I'm like, we really about to do this? He's like, I'll go first. So I'm like, I can't not do it now. No, like, you dude, know what I'm saying? No. And a lot of people thought it was fake. I'm like, it's serious. Like, you know, it was, that was 100% real. Like, so that, that's now the standard. If the standard is the standard and that's the standard, what's next? Dragging a bus, dragging an airplane? Oh, Colt, that's what Colt does. Colt. He pushed 18-wheelers eight, and all type of stuff. If you go on his page, you'll see it. Dude, he's going to put a chain around a house next time. Yeah, he might. He could, he could probably pull it off, pull the house out the ground, too. All right, so you're working with Gatorade. They've got yeah. their limited edition flavor. What yeah. do you have in front of you? Limited edition Gatorade flavor is called Peach Blitz. Only for Super Bowl. Only in Atlanta. I mean, it's pretty good, you know. Um, that's what we got going on. What's that thing taste? Pretty good? Yeah, you, I, I'll leave you one if you want to take I'll it. I'll take it, dude. Free yeah, as yeah. me. Free yeah. as me. You know that. <laughs> You know that. Listen, Alvin, I appreciate you. Really good to see you. Thanks for the Gatorade. No Hope you have a good weekend, man. I really appreciate yes, it. Sir. Thank you. Great watching you. Alvin Kamara joining us. We're joined right now by a linebacker for the Denver Broncos. He is a Super Bowl champion. More than 400 tackles, 21 passes defensed, six and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, and two interceptions while in Denver. An Ed Block Courage Award winner. He was the 142nd pick overall in 2012 out of Nevada. Very good friend of the program. Brandon Marshall is my guest. Brandon, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Good, good, dude. I was just saying, one of my favorite things about the row is I can sit with guys, friends of the program, who've come on the program a lot over the years, but we can connect up like this in person. Great to see you. How's your life going? Oh, uh, man, life is good. Uh, I just got done traveling, man. I was in uh, South Africa, Egypt, and uh, Barcelona, so... Uh, it's good to finally be back and, um, you know, be here with you. Dude, tell me about it. So what was your favorite spot? Oh, uh, man, I think I would say, uh, well, I love South Africa. It's nice, but I, I, I would say Egypt because I've been to South Africa. So Egypt was, was, was a good experience. Um, uh, I get to see the pyramids, but it's, it's, a, it's a lot of poverty over there. Um, war mindsets. You know, you drive in, you see somebody atop a tower with a machine gun. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's different. Yeah. That is really different. What about South Africa? I've never been. I've thought about it a lot, but I've never actually gotten there. What's that like? Man, South Africa is nice, man. It's, it's, uh, it's actually rich. You know, it's rich, man. They got nice buildings. Uh, obviously, there's, there's, you know, uh, parts that are very poor, uh, extreme poverty, but it's, it's real nice, man. Uh, food is really good. People are nice, so I like it. All right, so you got some good work in. Get some good traveling in. Go back to the Super Bowl yeah. from a few years back. What do you remember about Super Bowl week and the buildup and the hype to the game? It was amazing. Uh, you know, I've been to two Super Bowls, and, and you know, the buildup was different from, you know, Super Bowl 48 to Super Bowl 50, 
Um, you know, I would like to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's very intense. You know, uh, it's a lot of anticipation, man. Everybody's excited, but there was almost a calm to it the second Super Bowl. You know, the first Super Bowl, it was kind of, everybody was jittery. It was kind of like, oh, it's our first Super Bowl. We're trying to win it for Peyton and win it. But the second Super Bowl, it was very calm, and, you know, we got it done. There's something to that, right? Like, if you've never gone through the process, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. You don't know it until you go through it. You mentioned that thing about Peyton. How strong right. was that motivation to get this guy a ring? Oh, it was huge. It was big, man. Um, you know, the night before the Super Bowl, um, we played the Panthers, man. Peyton and DeMarcus Ware went up and spoke. And, you know, DeMarcus Ware came up, and, and he brought a, a Super Bowl trophy, you know, um, you know, obviously from the Super Bowl wins that the Broncos had. And it just motivated us, man. Everybody got excited. Everybody was ready. And we want to do it for them. I think it's, it says something different. Obviously, we want to do things for ourselves. But when you want to do something for the man next to you, it's a different power in that. And we got it done. Brandon Marshall joining us with respect to what he said probably should stay there. But can you give us an idea? What did Peyton say to the team? Uh, you know what, man? It was like three years ago. So, it's, you know, it's kind of um, faded. But, you know, Peyton's a hilarious guy, first of all. He's, he's funny. So, he, you know, he made a bunch of jokes in there. But... You know, he was just, you know, talking about us as a team and everything we've been through. And uh, we had a lot of one one score wins and, you know, uh, a lot of ad- adversity throughout the year. You know, Peyton was out a few games and Brock was starting. And, you know, everything he talked about, man, it just it just hit home with us, you know. Um, it wasn't like a, a big rah-rah speech, but it was enough to just touch us, man. And, and, it, and we felt it. And we was ready after that. Talking to Brandon Marshall, you know what's really interesting to me is if you go back to earlier in your career, you were on the practice squad. Yeah. Manning, Peyton Manning was the guy hyping you to the coaching staff, yeah. saying, man, who is this guy? Why is he covering everybody? Right. Why is he all over the field? What do you remember about that time? Man, um, I just remember um, Adam Gase actually walked up to me first and said, hey, man, you're doing a hell of a job. You know, Keep working, man. I'm, I'm going to try to get you on the active roster. He told me that, and I was like, okay, cool. So then... What know, was that like to hear at that time? Uh... It was, it was a lot of reassurance, man, um, because going through what I went through in Jacksonville, being cut three times, twice in one week, you know, my, my mindset kind of was like, man, can, can I do this? You know, it almost got to that point. Like, right. am I good enough, right? So hearing that was like reassurance, like you are good enough, right? One. And two, you know, once the strength coach said something to me, Peyton never said anything to me directly as far as, yo, you know what I'm saying, I want to get you on the active roster, but he was putting out seeds to everybody else. Then the head coach started noticing, John Fox noticed, then the D coordinator started noticing, and everybody started coming up to me. He's like, yo, you're playing great. Just just bide your time. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Brandon Marshall joining us. Now, you know it's a business. You know you've got a big cap hit next season, which means there's a chance that that Week 17 game against the Chargers may have been your last as a Bronco. Knowing that, what was it like to walk off the field that day, knowing that it might have been your last time? Oh, man, uh... It was extremely emotional. You know, I walked off the field and it was a bunch of cameras in my face. And I look into the stands and, you know, everybody in the family section is waving at me. And and uh, I was getting emotional, man. I almost dropped a tear. So, but I had to keep walking. I started walking faster. Like, <laughs> let me get in this tunnel. Um, you know, it was tough, man, you know, to know that because I've been in Denver for six years, you know, six years of my career. I, I will always love the Denver Broncos because, you know, they gave me a chance, you know. Um, after I got cut the third time in Jacksonville, I didn't have many teams calling. It was the Broncos and the Raiders. So I'm like, okay, this is probably my last chance after my first year, which is crazy, after being drafted. So, um, you know, and they gave me a chance. Jack Del Rio, John Fox, John Elway, all them guys, you know, uh, Richard Smith, they gave me a chance. 
and you know um, I was ready, man. So uh, I hope it's not my last year in Denver, but you know we'll see. You know, you kind of answered what I was going to say next. Like, how do you approach the business? It's a business, you know this. It's a business. So do you feel like it's likely that you're going to move on, or would you rather stay right where you are? I mean, I'd rather stay right where I am, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, regardless of what happens or whatever they come to me with, you know, I'm pretty sure they'll call me and my agent and say something. Um, I'm gonna do what's best for me, you know. Uh, it's a business on both ends, you know. So I would like to stay in Denver, but at the, at the same time, I would do what's best for me. I don't need to tell you, man. I was gonna say you had best do what's best for you because yeah. you know they will do what's best for them. Oh, all day. <laughs> Is, isn't there something to that? Like it's, yeah. it, it's not personal. It's not personal. Whenever somebody says it's not personal, be damn sure it's personal. It's personal. It's always personal. Absolutely, because this is something that we love to do, man. This is, we, we put our bodies on the line for this, man. Our livelihood. We love this game. So, you know, if, if someone says, uh, you know, we don't want you anymore, we don't think you're good enough anymore, essentially that's what they're saying. How is that not personal? It's exactly. You're not good enough for your job. Yeah. <laughs> we, we think we can get somebody better than you. Absolutely. How is that not personal? It's personal. <laughs> Talking to Brandon Marshall, as long as we're being real about it, listen, you played for Wade Phillips in Denver. Every player I've ever had on this show talks about it. guys who played for him. That I mean, he's a great defensive mind, but the guy is so good at connecting with his players. How does that guy do that, and especially at that age? And what's he yeah, like to play for? I, I'll be honest, man. That is is crazy how he does it at, at his age. Um, you know, walking through the locker room, he'll he'll dance with us. You know, you know, Von Miller will be playing music, and way to just start doing the dance. And you know, the fact that he, he he keeps connecting with us, and I guess we make him young. You know, I guess we help him stay young. Um, it's a beautiful thing, man. And, because he ain't young, dude. Yeah, he's not young. And, and, and Wade, he's not even the type to, like, overly yell at you or get on you about anything. You know, he lets his coaches handle that, but he's just a mastermind. You know, he, he's, he's amazing. He's, he's, you know, that's why he wants the Super Bowl again. You know, um, he's a great defensive mind. And the fact that he, you know, I, I saw Bill, Bill Belichick said that I had to change my defense. Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips hasn't. I mean, that's a testament to Wade, man. And, right. You know, that, he, that his, his defense has stood the test of time. You know, he is a mastermind. Brandon Marshall joining us. You mentioned Von Miller. I actually sat in a meeting with him earlier today on the NFL and CBS. Man, Von, Von's one of those rare guys. Like, he, he is such a star. He is so big time. But he can work this room like it's nothing at all. He yeah. sat in that meeting, and he blended in with everybody when we were all just kind of media people. And there's Von freaking Miller. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say he's one of the fellas, but, like, what's he like as a teammate? Is it like being around one of the fellas? No, he's definitely one of the fellas, man. And, and Von actually loves us, man. Von actually is a great friend, you know, a good friend, and uh, he's very giving, very caring. So one thing about Vaughn is, man, he's, he's he, like you say, he's rare. He's, a, he's a, a, that rare talent who's extremely talented, works hard, um, great personality. He's, you know, great, you know, with the media, with everybody, kids, and, you know, he's the whole package. He's just comfortable, dude. Yeah, he's the whole he's package. He's comfortable. Absolutely. Talking to Brandon Marshall for a few more moments. Now, that's not the only guy that you've got a connection to who's in this game. You've got your former teammate, Akeem Talib, playing yeah. for the Rams. Right. For people who do not know him, what's he like as a person and a teammate? Akeem is, is hard-nosed, man. He's hard-nosed. Uh, he's fun. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's a hilarious guy. <laughs> but uh, he's very hard-nosed, man. And you always need somebody on your team like that, you know, that'll go to war for you and with you. You know, he'll go to bat for you, man. He'll have your back at the drop of a dime, man. And, and Akeem is a great player, man. He's extremely smart. I don't think everybody really knows how smart he is. Um, he's like Chris Harris, man. Him and Chris Harris, they were like peanut butter and jelly, man, because, you know, they fit so well together, but they both were students of the game. They both were extremely smart. They both were technicians. 
Um, you know, Keep is great, man. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer. Dude, he is so hard-nosed, and yeah. i got to think that he sets the tone. And plus, look how different they look now that he's back. Yeah. Now that he's come back. That's a totally different look for that totally defense. Totally different. And, and that's why I was telling people, I said, okay, I got the Rams over the Saints. You know, last time, Akeem did not play, you know. And, you know, obviously, they got the good running backs in, in New Orleans, but I feel like they want to they want to pass first. They want to air it out. And with Akeem, I think if he was on, you know, I mean, Michael Thomas didn't do that, didn't do a lot that game. No, he didn't. Um, that's testament to the whole the whole secondary, you know what I'm saying? But I would say when we won the Super Bowl, we had Akeem Tlaib and T.J. Ward. Both those guys were tone setters. Tone setters, man. Yeah. Great players. Brandon Marshall joining us. Listen, you mentioned uh, the Saints running backs. Alvin Kamara yeah. was here a few moments ago. Dude, he, he clearly is not over that call, that non-call. Yeah. And he turned it around on me and said, well, what do you think? What do you think? And I said, listen, here's what I think. I think that's not the reason you lost that game. But they jacked up the call, right. and if they get that call right, then you win the game for sure. Right. He goes, right. Like I said, that's the reason we lost that game. <laughs> so why do you say that's not the reason they lost? I, because I think they were up 13 nothing. They uh, had opportunities. Yeah. They had lots yeah. of other opportunities, Absolutely. man. They got the ball back. Yeah. They, they, they should have finished them off. They should have right. choked them out when they had the chance. Yeah. But that said, I don't know how you missed that call, dude. That was like the worst call ever. It is. Ever. It is. And if you get that call right, then they do win. It because was third and what? It was third down and... Right, but then they get... They're down to one timeout. They get the first down because of the penalty. And then they spin the clock. You take a few knees. You kick the ball. You get off the field. You're done, right? You're done. It's over. So, so that, that's my feeling. It, do you see where he's coming from, though? Do you no, feel like that's why they lost the game? And does that stay with you forever? You know what? Um, I was in college, man. We beat Boise State. Um, we came back and beat them. And, and uh, Chris Peterson, their head coach, said... He said, one play can't win you the game, right? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. One, one play can't lose you the game, but one play can win you the game, uh-huh. you know? And I guess I took from that, you know, because, you know, their field goal kicker missed like two field goals, you know what I'm saying? And our kicker just made one, right? So he was just saying one play can't lose you the game, so it's a sequence of events, series of events, like you said. They were up 13-0, and, you know, they should have finished them off. He's, but he was like one play on the other side could win the game, right? So, um... You know, that wasn't the, the reason alone that they lost. You know what I'm saying? They had other opportunities, but it was a huge deal, though. You know, because they could have scored, no, scored, scored a touchdown, I'm pretty I mean, sure. You, you, might, you might say it's semantics. Maybe I'm splitting hairs here, but my feeling is that's not why they lost, but they would have won, won if the referees got it right, and I don't know how yeah, you don't get that right. Absolutely, man. It would have been first down, and, and they would have they they scored a touchdown. They would have bled them out. That, yeah. They would have spun the clock, and it would have been yeah, over. Yeah, true. All right, so you got the game coming up. Let me ask you this really quickly. You and I have talked in the past. When you were 9 or 10 years old, your mother checked your family into a domestic violence shelter for about 30 days. Yeah. This is not, I mean, that's got to be the hardest thing in the world to go through at that age. Right. What was that like at that time? Uh, man, it was tough, you know, to see my mom, you know, struggling. Seeing, seeing her go through what she was going through and, you know, um, the man that she loved, you know, uh, wasn't good to her. I, you know, I'll say that. You know, he just wasn't good to her. So the fact that we had to go and, and, and hide out so she could be safe and we could be safe, you know, that whole experience brought us together. You know, it brought us together, brought us closer, and um, it let me know, like, my mom is very strong, man. She's, she's a very strong strong woman. She raised strong kids, and, um, you know, that helped shape, shape me and shape us as a family, you know. So it was definitely a tough time, and uh, my mom, she, you know, kudos to my mom for, for, you know, for holding it down and everything she was going through uh, in her marriage. You know, she still was able to raise me and my brother, and, um, you know, 
They're doing pretty good. It's an amazing thing she did. Then really quickly, a couple of weeks back, you and your mother, Barbara, met with families in North Vegas. Yeah. You gave them boxes with hygiene products, food vouchers, and a tablet as part of your Feed and Educate to Empower Leaders program. What was it like to be a part of that and be able to get back the way you did? Man, um, the fact that we was able to give back and, you know, I saw the faces, you know, all the smiles from the kids and from the moms and the dads and, you know, to be able to lend a helping hand, you know, uh, it was a family that had seven in the household, you know, two bedroom apartment, seven, and, and the grandma had to sleep on the on the couch because, you know, the kid's mom, you know, she passed away from cancer, you know, um, not too long ago. It was it was sad, you know, but she said she didn't, there wasn't one day she didn't work. She worked seven days a week to put food on the table for the kids. And, and uh, some of the kids are older, but, but one of the kids, you know, uh, they got laid off. The job wasn't really going for, you know, um, everything wasn't going well for, the, for her in that aspect. So she, she was footing the bill for everything, yeah. right? And to see her struggle and, and take care of her kids and then her grandkids and, um, and the fact that I could walk into that house and, and, and offer some type of assistance, man, it was, it was, a, it was beautiful. That had to feel great. Yeah. Good for you. That had to feel great. Denver Broncos linebacker, a Super Bowl champion, Brandon Marshall, my guest. Like I said, man, it's always good to have you on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate the relationship. But great to sit down with you here in person and really good to see you on the road, man. Thanks so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you. I've been saying it all week long. One of my favorite things about the row is getting caught up with old friends, people who have come on the program, but I get to see them in person. I don't want to date either one of us, but, man, I've been doing this a man. long time with this guy. Let me give you his resume, and you tell me who you think it is. Oh, my God. Three-time Super Bowl champ, named first-team All-Pro 11 straight years, 1,549 career receptions, 22,895 receiving yards, 208 total TDs. Do you need more? 14 1,000-yard seasons. A member of the 80s All-Decade Team, a member of the 90s All-Decade Team, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and appearing courtesy of Hennessy. If you guessed Jerry Rice, you nailed it. Jerry, what's up? That is crazy. What's up? 14? 14, man. 14 1,000-yard seasons. Don't act like you didn't know that, Jerry. No, 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 no. I really did. Come on, man. No. Seriously. You know you played for the 49ers, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, I know that. <laughs> yes, I know that. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still a very smart guy here, okay? Yeah, you, you are, man. You always were. Yeah. Where, it, since you're so smart, help me understand this, man. How is time spinning faster and faster and faster, and how do we slow it down? I don't know. We need to find a way to try to slow this down a little bit because I remember Super Bowl 23. Now we are Super Bowl 53. Right. Wow. All right, so when time, you, time just flew by. When you think Super Bowl twenty three, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? How nervous, how scared. The night before, I couldn't sleep. Staying up all night long, visualizing the game. The long day uh, leading up to the game. And then just going out playing my best football. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I used to talk to Joe about this quite a bit, Joe Montana. There's something to be said about playing your best football in the biggest game of your life, playing your best on the biggest stage. And I used to say to him, and you and I have talked about it too, I think, can you consciously dial up your best when it matters most? Yeah, when everything is on the line. And I knew the importance of uh, for me to have a good game. And I remember being on that football field, doing that last three minutes, ten seconds, where we had to move the ball over at 80 yards downfield and win that football game. 
the execution, uh, being precise on my routes, making the catch. And when John Taylor scored that game winner, all of a sudden the crowd, I heard the crowd. So I enjoy being on that stage. You look at Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, all the great players who have played on that big stage. That is something that we look forward to. They want that big stage. Oh, yeah. They want that moment. But but the fact is, not everybody does. I mean, I don't want to throw any shade at anybody who's good enough to get there. But you look back on your career, did everybody you played with want that big stage, that pressure? I, 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 to be honest with you, I think the guys that I lined up with, yes. Because if you doubled me, John Taylor was going to kill you. Brent Jones uh, was going to kill you. Roger Craig. All the guys, you know, Joe Montana. So I think that's why we were so successful and we won so many Super Bowls. But being that guy that, that, that really wants to be in that position, you've got to be able to deal with the criticism if you don't make that play. So uh, I was one of those guys, and, and I, I, I think I was very fortunate because uh, I was able to uh, make those incredible plays. Sherry Rice is my guest. You know, you mentioned that drive, and you thought about you had to be so precise. You had to be so technical. So what makes a great wide receiver? Is it about natural talent, or is it about doing the work on all the little things, the route running, the footwork, the body control, things like that? I never thought I had natural uh, talent. I never thought I was the most gifted athlete. The thing that I I was going to do, I was going to outwork you. And I think I got that from my parents and, and, and not, you know, taking any shortcuts or anything like that and earning everything. So running routes, I used to watch Steve Largent. I used to watch uh, uh, Dwight Clark, uh, Drew uh, Pearson, uh, Tony Hill, Lance Wan, John Stallworth, all those guys. And, and I like to think of myself as being a mixture of all those guys, being able to run good routes, get separation, then catch the football. Talking to Jerry Rice, you know, I love when I talk to great receivers and great DBs, I like to talk about the great one-on-one battles oh, yes. you guys had. As yeah. you look back on your career, who were the cornerbacks that gave you the toughest battles? Dale Green, Deion Sanders. Fast. So my thing is, it's, it's like when you got fast guys like that, you have to come uh, to the line. You have to be the aggressor. You got to have a game plan. If you come to the line and you don't have a plan, uh, you're going to end up losing that battle. My thing, when you got fast guys like that, you got to uh, double move, triple move those guys and try to get them off their base and hope that the quarterback throws the ball on time. Because when they're your fast guys like that, uh, if you just take off running, they know that you can't outrun them. So it wasn't the physical guys. It was not the guys jamming you up at the line of scrimmage. It was the fast guys, oh, the no, speed no. guys. I, I'd rather have a, a physical guy anytime. Because now my thing is when I come to the line, I'm going to try to make myself look as skinny as possible when I release. I'm not going to open, uh, you know, uh, or come off the ball with my chest wide open. So my base, everything is low, and I try to make myself look as small as possible. Jerry Rice joining me. So looking back, who were the more physical corners back in the day? The game's different now, but back then, who were the more physical guys you went up against? I think guys played me a little different because they knew I, I was very good at, uh, you know, defeat and bump and run. Right. So, yeah, they knew if they took a shot at me and, and tried to be real physical at the line of scrimmage with me, and if I got by them, then, uh, you know, that I was going to score played a your touchdown. Strength. Right. Yeah, it played into my – but Bill Walsh, he would always take us back to fundamentals. 
I, I think you don't see a lot of that today because you don't see that bump and run. Right. You know, it's like, you know, that's just like with Edelman. Uh, you're going to play him about five yards off and you expect to cover him? You're going to play Grunk about five yards off? No way. So these guys today, uh, you know, it's not about that tough bump and run and, uh, and, and being elusive at the line of strength. You know, I'm glad you brought up Edelman. You talked to The Athletic about him recently, but I want to ask you about your take on him. When you look at him, you know, kind of like his vibe, his attitude, his swagger, the yeah. way he goes about his business. Do you like what you see? I love it. I love it. Tell you me. Know, he wants that ball. And he's saying to you, hey, do you, do you seriously think you're going to stop me, you know, on that given day? And you talk about the Patriots not having a go-to guy. He's that go-to guy. You got to stop him if you have a chance of winning this football. And also, you got to stop Tom Brady. You got to stop Gronk, and you got to stop that running game. So it's going to be up to Donald and also Sue and that, uh, you know, that defensive secondary to uh, try to eliminate the big plays. And but no, once those guys get the ball, uh, you can't let them get those uh, yards after uh, Yak. Jerry Rice, my guest. I'm not looking for any kind of lava or fire take, but I am really curious about this. Tom Brady's got five. He's trying to yeah. get six. Yeah. Joe's got his four. Yeah. I think if Joe were to answer honestly, Joe's proud now. Joe's proud. Joe would remind you, man, I never lost a Super Bowl. Jerry, you know, you tell me. You played with Joe. You know the game. You're watching Tom. Who's the GOAT? I think there's a, a fraternity of GOATs. I think in, in football you're going to see that. Whole different era. Uh, you got the run pass option now. Joe played in an era where it was totally different. So, you know, you might see it in football. You see it in uh, basketball because you hear about this LeBron James all the time and Michael Jordan. Uh, but you're going to see it in all sports, and you're going to see it also, you know, like with doctors and lawyers. And these guys, what they're doing today, seriously, and you got to give it to uh, the organization of the Patriots and stuff like that to be able to be there so many times. I mean, it's something that we never thought would happen, but it's great to see. But, yeah, there's a fraternity of ghosts. So I wonder if maybe it's like a generational thing. You can't really compare guys. No, you, okay, because you and I are coming from the same kind of place, the place being that there's no discussion. It's Joe. It's just Joe. Like in basketball, there's no discussion. It's just Mike. It's just Mike. But but there is a there's discussion. There's a different era. Yeah. You know, there's Kobe. There's LeBron. Right. There are different eras. So, to me, it seems like a cop-out not to pick a guy. But I, I kind of tend to go the other way. It's generational. It's hard to measure guys across different generations. Yeah, and, and I got asked. I said, you know, they asked me. They said, what would you do in this era? I said. What, what would you do in this era? I, I read think, your stats at the top. What would you do today? I think. I enjoyed the era that I played in. Really? I really did. And I know the game, was, it was crazy. And if the ball was being thrown to the right side and, and I was backside, I was getting hit. But I just knew that was part of it. Jerry, but right now you could go right over the middle and not worry about a single thing. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to earn everything. That was huh. important to me. It's the Jerry Rice way. Yeah. All right, so you're working with Hennessy. Hennessy, baby. What are you doing with Hennessy? I, I can't lie to you, man. When I saw that, I'm like, that is the best. Hey, that let is me awesome. tell you something, though, man. Hennessy, uh, there's a variety of uh, cognac. Cognac is a brandy. Uh, uh, it's made in cognac, France. Uh, over 250 years, they have celebrated this with their customers. They have that never stop, never uh, settle attitude and that was something that I did in football and for the game coming up the big game I'm going to toast my you know friends and family uh, probably Hennessy uh, on the rocks or Hennessy XO the XO is extra 
old. And I like to think of myself as like being us, that, man. that little old, like older us, guy bro. now. <laughs> like us. We're XOs, man. Yeah. So Not you can OGs. Go, we're XOs. So you can go to Hennessy.com slash US to get all the details. Good job, man. Good job. Thank Last you. thought, I had Carson Palmer on mm-hmm. earlier, and he was pretty upfront about the fact that, man, I'm not playing, so I'm not going to the gym, and I don't miss it. You clearly are still getting after it in the oh, gym. Yeah. What is your workout routine like at this point in your life, and what drives you to grind still? I, I think it's just in my nature. I have always done this, and I, 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 I appreciate the time that I put in and uh, I think it rewards me because, you know, I, I, I get this all the time. People say, you still look like you could play. But just doing uh, CrossFit, doing Peloton, stuff like that, keeping myself going. Are you a Peloton and, guy? Oh, yes, I, I am. I love my Peloton. Oh, my I God. Love I, Peloton. Ride that, I ride that thing like which, crazy. Which ride? Okay, now, I do 45-minute rides. Joe goes, dude, you're a monster. I can't I do done, that. I have what done do you the do? hour, 45, the 30, do it all. They're fun, right? It's yeah. great. Yeah. All right, Jerry. So good to see you. We do this every single year at this time. And you did it again, man. I'll see you, you crushed next it. year. I will see you next year. <laughs> Hopefully talk before then, though. Yeah, you got it. Good to Thank see you. you. Jerry Rice on the row with Hennessy. Good job, man. So good to see you. My next guest came onto the set and was hugging it out with Dave Whalen. A couple of Notre Dame guys. Not only Notre Dame guys, but like in the same dorm, right? Stand for all. There it is. He is a <laughs> linebacker for the Cowboys coming off an amazing season. 121 tackles, four sacks. Two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a touchdown this season. He was named the Breakout Player of the Year by Pro Football Focus, a Buckus Award winner in high school and in college, a consensus All-American at Notre Dame, the 34th pick overall in 2016 out of that school, Jalen Smith, my guest. Jalen, it is so good to see you. I saw you a few, well, I had you a few weeks ago on the show, but nice to see you in person, man. How are you living? What's up? Man, I'm super excited, man. Just to be here. I got in last night. Uh, very electrifying. I'm, I'm it's super excited. Man. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, super Bowl. Yeah, let me ask you this. I mean, you clearly would rather be playing in the game. I understand that. Absolutely. But you're fired up. You're in good spirits. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in Atlanta. Um, you know, it's, it's the heart of a lot. You know what I mean? So, I got a lot of family out here, family and friends. So, I'm definitely going to enjoy myself for sure. All right, so you had a great year. You led the Cowboys to a divisional title and a playoff win. Man, when you're winning with the Dallas Cowboys... How would you describe that feeling? Is there anything that would compare to that? Man, there's nothing like when you win, um, you know, at these high-caliber franchises, you know. It's like Notre Dame, the Yankees, and then America's team, the Cowboys. And I got two of them under my belt. So um, it, it's, it's exciting when you win, man. It's different. My man, I do not want to get on the wrong side of you, but I kind of I ripped that America's team thing from you guys, and I gave it to the Browns this year. Are you serious? I kind of did, Come man. On, yeah, I got to own that. I got to own that with you right here. I okay. kind of did do All that. Right. I'm going to let you have that. All right. I appreciate you, man. You're a class. All class. Now, you're coming off an amazing season, but as you said yourself, the beauty of the NFL is, and I quote, the only thing that matters is what you do now. And as a competitor, you love it because you have to go out each and every weekend and prove that you belong. And individually, you're one of the elite. End quote. Can you lay that out for me? What kind of mentality does it require to be a competitor at the highest level every single week and day in and day out? The mark of greatness is consistency. That's the best way to explain it. You know, any time that you, uh, whenever you're experiencing highs and lows, you have to stay even keel. You know, uh, whenever you're on a seven-game win streak, uh, you had to keep it going because that next week you could get blown out, you know, 23 to zero. You know, it's just, 
that's the beauty of this sport, though. It's the last gladiator sport, and I love playing uh, in the National Football League. Sure. And what about that? Do you feel like in that gladiator mentality, what's it like to put those pads on on Sunday? I mean, do you feel like a gladiator? What's it feel like going out there? I mean, I've been playing since I was seven years old, so I'm very comfortable in it. I was taught to play it the, the right way by, uh, by my pop Warner coach, Tom Macon. He's a legend in, in my hometown. But, uh, man, I'm just excited. I'm excited to be a part of this, uh, this team, this, this, this family. And, and the best uh, has yet to come. Jalen Smith, my guest, your journey is amazing, too. A few mm-hmm. weeks back, the Cowboys tweeted a video of your road back from the knee injury. You and I talked a little bit about that when you were on last month, but there's this amazing moment in the video when you're at the draft party, you get a call from Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. What was the moment like when you saw that caller ID and then you were talking to Jerry Jones? Oh, man, I was, uh, you know, I was sitting right next to my brother who at the time was playing for the Cowboys, still plays for him today. He's a free agent now. But, uh, and I saw the number, the area code, 214. I'm like, oh, it's the Cowboys, it's the Cowboys. Um, you know, and I answered, and it was Jerry Jones. I'm like, wow, like, I'm going to get to play for America's team. Not only that, I'm going to get to play with my older brother um, you know, for the very first time. So it's just a, a dream come true, uh, forever thankful. What was that like? What's it been like playing with your brother? It's been an amazing experience because uh, we're like we're three and a half years apart. So it was always like him coming in and me leaving. Then he decided to go to Ohio State, uh, which was his dream college. Then I wanted to take my own path and, and go to Notre Dame. And it's closer to home because I'm a mama's boy. You know, but, <laughs> right? um, it, it, but for, this, for both of our dreams to come true, to play in the National Football League but on the same team, um, you know, our parents don't have to, they don't have to, you know, rotate weeks now. It's, you know, it's, it's a one-stop shop. So. so what was Notre Dame like? Man, um, it's an experience that you have to, you have to be there to really understand it and embrace it. But um, it's a university that it speaks for itself. The, the, the class that it comes with and um, the rigorous, I didn't make a four-year decision. I made a 40-year decision. So now you're not done. Are you going to go back and finish? Yes, I just enrolled. I just enrolled back in school. Oh, no kidding! I just enrolled back in school to finish my degree. Are uh, you doing it online, or are you going to physically show up in the classroom? No, at Notre Dame you have to be on campus, dude. What's yeah. that going to be like? Oh man, you know, honestly, the the weather is so bad in South Bend right now. They canceled class uh, yesterday and today, so that's right. why that's why that's the only reason why I'm here, because they canceled class because it's negative 16 degrees and the windshield's negative 40. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get my degree. Yeah, but the sun's going to come out at some point, man. What's it going to be like when you show up and you sit down in the classroom? No, I've, I've been there for the past two years. Yeah. The past two weeks, I've been, I've been in, on campus in class. It feels all normal? No big thing? It's weird, man. But I got, a big, I got a different perspective now because I left Notre Dame three years ago. And, um, you know, it's different going in class, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old, really, really not understanding, um, you know, time management and things of those natures. Uh, you know, now I have a structure put in place, you know, on and on my own couple businesses myself. So uh, it's going to make the process much smoother, but it's very humbling. You're all grown up, man. It's humbling, though. It is. It is. Walking 15 minutes to each class. <laughs> there's, there's no courtesy ride, man? <laughs> oh, no. No, you got no, to do it now. No, uh, I got a little scooter now. I, I, I can afford a scooter. So uh, when, once the weather gets clear, I'm going to be good. Jalen <laughs> Smith joining us. I got to finally ask you, though, about that. Like, why do you go to college? I mean, the, the real simple answer is to get a good job. Dude, you got the best job ever. Why was it so important to go back and finish? Man, because it matters, man. Uh, I don't look at it as just a piece of paper. It's something that I promised myself I was going to do. I made a, a pact 
to, to my mother that I was going to go back and finish my degree. Um, and I set myself up to where whenever I came back, I only have to one, one semester left. So I'm excited, man. I just got to embrace it and, and, and grind through it. You know, and you've got this thing like this, this it, like you've got this unbelievable physical ability that's given, but yet you have that thing that if you could bottle it, you'd make a whole lot of money. And for you to come back from the knee injury that you came back from to overcome that, especially when there had to have been so much self-doubt and a lot of people saying, you know what, man, no matter how much he wants it, he's just not going to be the same, but you are, if not better. How did you will that thing? How did you make that thing what it actually became? My, a clear eye view. Man, a focus Explain vision. what that is. Focus vision, a determined belief, and earned dreams. You know, a clear eye view is um, it's something I came up with my sophomore year in college uh, before I got injured. Just thinking about, you know, what defines Jalen Smith and, you know, the platform that we're on to, to share with, uh, you know, with these peers and these kids um, just to understand what I'm about. So a, focus, a clear eye view is a focus vision. Being able to um, identify whatever you want to accomplish in life, right, and being able to see it clearly. And then a determined belief is just a self-belief, a belief in yourself, a belief in God that he has your back throughout that process. And then earned dreams is about how bad do you want it? You know, like what work are you willing to put in to accomplish that goal? So, like, whether you play sports, whether you're, uh, you know, investing in private equity or whatever, um, you know, everyone should have a clear eye view. Jalen, quote, what defines Jalen Smith? You were asking yourself that as a college sophomore. That's a pretty heavy question to ask as a college sophomore. Like, why well, were you asking yourself questions like that at that age? I, I did a SWOT analysis on myself, just, I, uh, you know, identifying strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and just understanding Jalen as an entity. What, you know, what, what, it, what am I about, you know, um, and, and what, what do what I that, What does that mean, a SWOT analysis? A SWOT analysis. What is that? S-W-O-T. Uh-huh. Um, strength, it's, it's basically you're getting, like, a, a, get a piece of paper and draw uh, four squares, and one square you got strengths, uh, the, the next square you got weaknesses, the next square you got opportunities, and the next square you got threats. And, you, and, and all you do is write out, okay, what are my strengths about Jalen Smith? What are my weaknesses? What are my opportunities? And what are my threats? Um, it, it just helps you get a better grasp and understanding of kind of what you're up against and kind of help you go about that clear eye view. Like one of my threats were getting injured, you know, uh, just from a compensation standpoint. I lost out on, you know, $17 plus million because of that injury. But, um, you know, I, how, I, I'm a better man. That, how does that not mess with your head? Because it was, it, it was God-ordained, you know. Um, he humbled me. And um, not, not that I was, you know, I was this arrogant person or whatever, but just, um, you know, in life we all go through things. We all go through things that motivate us and, and help us and define us who we are. Um, so with, with me going through that, you know, on a national, um, you know, televised Stage it just showed how much uh, it meant more to, to, to people that I can come back from it. And, and it's, it's a great feeling. It's an amazing story, too, Jalen Smith. Before you go, my first job, my first job in life, in and out Burger. 16 years old, in and out Burger. I was not good at that job, man. And even worse, I wanted to be good at that job. And the manager said to me, bro, you're not good at this job. There's no part of this job that you're good at. And the only reason I haven't fired you yet is because you're good at softball and I want to win the league title. I was wow. not good at that, right, dude? I was. I mean, I took pride in that work, too. I was not good at it. Dude, you worked at Burger King back in the day. 18 years old. What do you remember about that? Matter of fact, I was 17 then. Were, okay, were you good My, at that? Man, I was legit. Okay, man, because I was em, not, apparently. Em, employee of the month, yeah, man. Yeah, I was not, I was not that. My, my, I had a passion for just putting smiles on people's faces. Yeah, man. dude, I can and see my, that, man. You know, the, you get all different type of uh, characteristics of people that come in. Mad, angry, sad, pregnant. 
divorced, whatever. You know, and it's just, you know, they, they, want, they want pleasure. They want great service. And that's something that I was able to give. I wanted to hop on the other side of the, the spectrum um, and really learn about what fast food employees go through. So uh, the experience was well for me. Dude, you got the best attitude ever. <laughs> Last on, thought, man. Sean Lee raves about you and Leighton Vanderesh. She says that he's trying to teach both of you as much as possible. What have you learned from him in your time in Dallas? Man, Sean Lee, he's a pro's pro. You know, he's a guy that helped me uh, transition into becoming a professional that may have taken a little bit longer had I had to go through it myself. Along with that, uh, you know, he taught me how to prepare the right way, um, you know, for, for a game. And I love him. I love him. He's a brother. Dallas Cowboy linebacker coming off an amazing year. My man, that was such a great conversation. I appreciate you very yes. much. And thanks for taking time to do that. That was a lot of fun. Man, you take care, man. I appreciate it, boss. You too, Jalen. Great seeing you. Be sure to dap up uh, your Notre Dame alumni right there. Go Irish, baby. (laughs) Jalen Smith, Dallas Cowboys linebacker. We're joined right now by a two-time Pro Bowler. He is a cornerback for the Lions. He is an All-Pro, 42 tackles, 17 passes defensed, three INTs, and a touchdown this season, 11 interceptions in the past two years, tied for most by a cornerback during that time, played his college ball at Mississippi State, yep, where yep. he was the 36th pick, Darius Slay. Darius, what's going on? What's How are up, you? Man? How you doing? Good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. All right, well, this is actually your home state. You are from Brunswick, Georgia. So what was it like growing up in Brunswick? Oh, man, it's um, very country. <laughs> uh, great experience. I love my hometown, uh, small town. And, um, you know, a lot of people, though, a lot, very populated. All right, so it was country, and it was a small town, but there was a lot of people. Yeah. But you were all state in high school. Yeah. So when did you first start thinking that you could play at the next level and then play at the highest level? Um, just going around my competition, um, playing against some guys that um, that's obviously from Georgia that's in the league right now. Uh, I played against Eric Berry in high school, uh, Alan Bailey, um, Kareem Jackson, all of us, you know, we played against each other, and I've seen them guys develop their game. I'm like, you know, I'm right up there above them, so right around the area, so I feel like I make it. So what were you thinking? When you're running into guys like that and going up against guys like Kareem Jackson, Eric Berry, I mean, it just seemed like that's the way it is. That's pretty normal. Or did you know there's something going on here? We're all going to be in the NFL one day. Yeah, that's what that's what the key was. Um, like, man, we go all meet up, meet up one day. So uh, it's a great opportunity for all of us that have been there, done that. Uh, so we are here at the top of our game having fun. Darius Slade joining us. You know, speaking of playing at the highest level, you went to the Pro Bowl for the second time. You go once, that's great, but how much better does it feel to make it back a second time? Uh, Especially when teams are not throwing your way the way they were before. Right. Uh, it was great, man. Um, somebody always told me that uh, you got to go do it, do it twice to get the respect. So I had to go back, find a way uh, to get there, play my heart out, and um, you know, I went out there, executed my plays, made the plays I supposed to make, and I'm right there. In the meantime, you and your family went to Disney World while you were in Orlando. How'd that go? And what were your favorite rides? Oh, man, it was good. Uh, the Hulk was a great ride. Went to uh, Universal. And uh, so we went to Disney. Uh, had a lot of kiddie rides, man. I had to do it for the kids then. So uh, it was kind of rough for me to get on those rides. But uh, everything else was smooth, though. You always do it for the kids, man. Got it's to. always for the kids. You got to. <laughs> Last year, you took your fellow Lions DBs on a trip to Cabo. Yep, yep. How about that trip? What was the thinking behind that trip? How'd that go? Oh, uh, man, you know, like I show my appreciation to my guys. Uh, I got a great group of guys. Um, shoot, they helped me get to where I'm at, you know, without guys like Quandre Diggs, uh, Clover Quinn, Tavon, some of my older guys that kind of guided me back there in the safety area. And um, calling out routes, calling out plays, making me a smarter player. 
Uh, so I, uh, I feel like I deserve as much credit as they do. So uh, I just took them on a trip with me, paying for it, had fun, had a great time. Me and my wife, and their wives, had a great time. It's a great gesture. You know they appreciated it. Oh, yeah. Quinn, Quinn's one of my favorite guys in the league. He, he's tremendous. What's he like to play alongside? How much have you learned from him? Man, I've been learning a lot from him. He's been my locker mate going on six years. Um, man, I couldn't appreciate him more than anything. Uh, I look at him as a big brother. Um, he guided me through all my, all my courses through my year when I was down. He got me up. When I was up, he made sure I stayed level and not too cocky. Uh, so he, he basically like my big brother that like contained me. <laughs> Darius Slay is joining us on the show. There's this great story that former Packers wide receiver James Jones, who's now with the NFL Network, said something about his matchups when he played against you. He said when he first came in, he felt that he had the edge. Quote, we played Detroit and we were like, yeah, Darius Slay's on us. Then the <laughs> next year we were like, please don't come on me. He just turned into that player, man. End yeah. quote. I mean, is that how it felt to you? Did it all just kind of click in, and did you become that player? Uh, yeah, man. I'm going against guys like Aaron Rodgers that like to like to pick on guys that's you know giving up plays. I was getting targeted a lot with definitely with me on him. So uh, I know with that doing happen, I had stepped my game up, got better in the all season, worked on my uh, technique. And I um, became a great guy at, uh, at the corner position. What is that? If you got a guy like that who's picking on you, man. He's singling <laughs> you out. I mean, does that cause you to doubt yourself or that just turn into fuel? What I mean, do with that? I turn into the fuel. I, I like it. You know, I like competition. I like going after it. Um, definitely going to get some of the top guys in this game. And um, that what made me to the guy the other day, one of the top corners. Now, you are one of the top corners right now. So when that happens, all of a sudden, they don't try you anymore. But maybe they forget, right? Earlier this year against the Cowboys, they were coming at you early, right? They were coming at you early, and it wasn't working out too well. You know Dak a little bit. What did you say to him? I told him, I don't know why he trying me. Like, we weren't doing this in practice at Mississippi State. Like, he don't know my game. Like, he don't know about that action. So, uh, but I liked it, though, man. You know, Dak is a competitor. I knew he was going to try me a lot just because, you know, brothers, but... Uh, they didn't turn out too good for him. But they got the dub, though, so that's the really most important thing. They did, but that's what you said to him, like, come on, man. You don't remember how it was in practice, Dak? Yeah, that's what I told him. And then what did he say to that? He said, I got to try you, Slay. I said, no, nah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just Dak, though. Somebody on the sideline yelled, we're going at you all day. You said they yelled that. Well, like I'm some kind of slouch out there, right? Right. Uh, it was a guy um, that was on their sideline wearing a little jumpsuit. They say, we're going at you all day, 23. So I'm looking like, man, you ain't even dressing out, man. You can't talk to me right now. I say, well, you keep coming over here, it's going to be bad for you. That's all it was, and it was bad for him. So one last part you left <laughs> out, too. What you said was, I ain't no slouch. Bleep, I'm a gangster. Yeah, yeah, I'm out there. I'm out there playing. So I told him, like, hey, y'all ain't trying me out here like I'm trying to Woody Poop, like I'm just slouchy. No. <laughs> I'm a top guy here, so y'all better stop playing with me like that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Darius Slay is in our house. That's exactly what I'm talking about. They change up their plan. They avoid you the rest of the way. But it does seem like every so often you've got to remi- remind people, right? Yeah, every once in a while you've got to remind people, I'm not a slouch, man. You're dealing with a gangster here. <laughs> Darius Slay is a gangster. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm on now. All right, so Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams says he likes going up against you because he knows it's a challenge. He knows it's going to make him better. Who are the guys that you like going up against, guys that you know are going to make you better? Uh, for sure, Devontae, Thielen, uh, Diggs, definitely guys in my uh, division. Them guys are real tough to guard. Um, Julio, for sure, Odell. Um, I only went against A.B. twice, but uh, guys I've seen a lot repeatedly been like Odell. 
that's in my conference. So, uh, so who's the who's the bigger challenge at this point? The big physical guys or the speed guys? Right now, it's more like the shifty guys, like Devontae Adams, a right. guy that uh, that like got a ball in his hand playing uh, basketball, like AI. Right. That's why I call him uh, baby AI in the football league. Right. He got a he's a great guy off the ball, great guy off the release. I don't know how to get open and get creative. What kind of problems does Antonio Brown present when you try to match up with him? Oh, big problems. Um, a guy that's very targeted a lot and uh, can make any t- catch he wants to, you know, uh, and got the free lad to do whatever. So uh, he's a talented guy, man, amongst the top guys in this league. And he makes all the catches, you know, and runs all the routes. Darius Slay joins me. And when you came out of Mississippi State, you spent some time with Rod Woodson yep, yep. at his home for a few days. This guy was unbelievable. How did that come to be, and what was that time like? Uh, it was great. Uh, it came in to be like a... Uh, we had the same agent, uh, Eugene Parker, rest in peace. Uh, but uh, he he uh, hooked me up with him. I like man, Rod Wilson. I get to go work out with Rod Wilson. So um, I was shocked, nervous, first flight there. I'm, I'm trying to see how I'm gonna talk to him. I'm only but 21 years old, going to meet a Hall of Famer. So um, man, we're going there. He was pretty cool, pretty smooth. Uh, taught me some techniques. Watched a lot of film together, man. Uh, it was fun, man. Great experience. Uh, I got close with him and his family. And I went the second year after that, and uh, I just stopped going probably like three years ago. Darius Slade joining us. You got nothing to learn anymore? You got it all now? Uh, no, nah, I'm, always, I'm always looking to learn. Definitely one of the Hall of Famers. I know it, dude. I know for sure. <laughs> Listen, you're killing it right now, but it was not always like that, right? As an example, transitioning from college to the NFL, that's not easy. What do you remember about the first season? What was that like? Ooh, it was rough for me. Uh, I got benched twice my first year as a starter. First two games, uh, gave up a dig and go. I got benched that play. And I, play, I started the following week against Arizona, and um, the running back caught a real route and scored. And uh, they benched for that game, and then next thing you know, I was just playing just a little bit of nickel. But uh, it was rough, my rookie. Um, they'll try to blow my confidence, but I won't let them do it. No, because you're a gangster. <laughs> Got to. I, I got I to know before you go, in 2016, the team offered you a four-year, $50 million-plus extension. Growing uh-huh. up in Brunswick, Georgia, dude, what was that moment like for you? Oh, it was an amazing moment. Uh, a life changer. Life changer for my kids, my family, my mom, my dad. Uh, so, uh, like, a little old town like me, there's only but two of us at that time. Well, three of us, Adam Wainwright, Kwame Brown, and me. So, uh, it was good, man. Uh, like I said, it was a blessing that the Ford family gave me, and I'm appreciative of it. How do you like the D? For instance, I mean, those fans want it so badly. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> That's a great football town. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a team that has not had a lot of success unfortunately but that is a great football town man it is uh it's very very intense they want to win just as bad as we do uh they go let you know they want to win and um you know they're great to us you know anytime we walk around you know they show their love a lot of love a lot of fans you know i sign a lot of stuff for everybody um they're good atmosphere but uh like they said they deserve to win see if we win the team we're trying to give it to them He's an all-pro. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, and he's the guy who's going to close out our entire week on Radio Row. Darius, fact, we've been trying to get you on, man. I'm so glad to finally see you and get you on the program. Nice to meet you. Good to have you. Thank you for having me. That was fun. What's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome, the mother of all road trips. Live from Atlanta. The thing about this week is it's a very different week in terms of the broadcast. In fact, there's no week during the calendar year. It's quite like this week. I hit him so effing hard. I don't know how he got up. To his core, I felt like I could have broke his spine. I hit him so hard. 
I never saw this guy before on the row. As Dave Whalen and I were going down the escalator, coming up the other escalator was none other than Charlie freaking Weiss. Jungle Carmel. Josh Pastner joining us live on Radio Road. It's so good to get caught up. Great to see you. Are you coming to the game? You're right up the road, Jim. You're a basketball guy. we got to get you back. Tracy Wilson, my guest. Pulling at him and going, get him down. We need to interview him. Wow. We need to interview him. That was awesome. Austin Hooper joining us. Are you going to watch the game? It's in your town now. Jim, what do you do with it? I'm not that salty. I'll definitely watch the game. <laughs> I'll definitely watch the game. Ross Tucker, NFL. All right, then. What about the Super Bowl spread? I think it's going to be an awesome game. Yeah, Everybody hates when the Patriots in the Super Bowl game. I don't care about the game. I mean the spread, man. The oh, food. What oh. kind of food are we talking about, Ross? <laughs> Jim asked me the questions I really want to answer. I like it. My calls make Silk Bra look like Silk Panties. Come on. Jesse Force, that's my guess. You saw, quote, <laughs> the biggest rat I've ever seen. <laughs> At the end, when we were finishing up, we just see this big creature run through the restaurant. Look like a, like a squirrel. Bill Ryder. All right, so Bill, what about Kawhi Leonard? I honestly don't know. I think Toronto I can make a run. I have no idea what makes that guy go. Right? The, I know well, the laugh ball. is awesome. <laughs> I have no idea what makes that guy tick at all. That. So Thanks, Alvy. So good. Deshaun Watson. I've been going back and forth all week. You know, Rams and Patriots. Me too, by the way. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to go against Brady, but I would like to see the Rams win. Baker Mayfield. I have that it's me against the world attitude. No way, bro. Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland has that same attitude. They, they deserve a good football team. We're trying to build that right now. Carson Palmer. They remind me again in 30 seconds or less why you're not a full-time analyst. Because I love being retired. Forbes ranked Boise the fastest growing in the union. I can attest that. Hey, Terry, 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 Terry. Ah. Tell that. you what. You know what, Terry? Instead of me giving you a Master Build smoker for that call, you ought to give me one. 3,382 yards yeah. and 74 TDs. Yeah. A member of the College Football oh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Tory Holt. Man, you couldn't guard Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith was so good. Willie McGinnis is my guest. Jim, man, I saw the stage from afar. The first thing I asked Christian was, am I going on Jim's show? I got to make sure I always make my rounds. I always get here, man. Juju Smith-Schuster. Where do you think that thing went wrong? And can it still be salvaged? Can it be fixed? At definitely can be picked. It just takes time, you know? But I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's staying. Saquon Barkley. Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment? A hit uh, from J.J. Watt. Because we were running at a counter play to the left, and that's when you have two pullers, and he beat the guy to the right and still tackled me at the same time when I got the handoff. Matt Ryan joining us. You like sushi? It yeah, sounds yeah. weird. No, no, I'm a big sushi guy, actually, yeah. Umi. Yeah, really. Umi and Buckhead. What do you get there? Oh, man. George Kittle. First off, you can't spell Skittles without Kittle. I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, it's blue skies. Like, there's nothing in my life that is depressing. Like, and we can always improve on our record. That's what I'm looking forward to. Brian Urlacher is my guest. Oh, yeah. Bears. Are you, are you feeling like a year from right now when you and I come together, we might be talking about the Bears getting ready to play in this game? 100%. This year I thought it was going to be the year, too. You know, that defense travels. Nate Burleson. Damn, this dude's cut. He's built like exa- a brick bleed That's house. exactly what it is. Right. One of those guys from the World's Strongest Man competition. His name should be Magnuson for Magnuson for Magnuson. Jarvis Landry. For you and your sister, I got two tickets for you guys to go to the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here you go, baby. Here you go. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't even got words. Give me a hug Come or something, on, man. Hines Ward. For What's you? up, Jim, man? We go way back. People, I don't think you guys realize the history that we got. He's an OG, man. He's been in the game a long time. I've always admired him. He keeps it real. Deontay Wilder joining us. When you see a man, eyes roll back in the back of his head. When you see his head hit the canvas, and then you start seeing his body stiff on, like it's on cloud nine, you know it's over. I was like, wow. That was like a wild moment. The chairman of CBS Sports is Sean McManus. And I got about seven or eight minutes on. Here's what the Seattle defense needs to do. 
to stop Tom Brady. Terrell Davis joining us. The one thing I couldn't do was come down to a Super Bowl, change who I am and what I've been doing, because that's when you get in trouble. I'm not doing that. Now I wasn't out at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was out until about 11.59. Aaron Jones. I'm on the field. I told Tay, I was like, hey, I'm going to do the Soldier Boy if I score. So no practice. just got out there. And I, I didn't realize how hard it is to dance without music. <laughs> Crank that. Christian McCaffrey, bro, you haven't played that long. That's a long resume, man. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, it's like a heck CBS of an intro, receive. I need that, that's I need long. That in the morning when I wake up. It'd be great. Alvin Kamara joining us. When I mentioned that game, scam. That's all I think. Feel like you got robbed? Yeah, most definitely. Do you feel like we got robbed? I think it's not the reason you lost, but if they get the call right, you would have won. How's so that? It's a, so it's the reason we lost. Jerry Rice. Jerry, that is what's crazy. Up? What's up? 14? 14, 1,000 yard seasons. Don't act like you didn't no, no, know no, that, no, Jerry. No, 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 no. I really did. Come on, man. No, Seriously. I'm, you know you played for the 49ers, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, I know that. <laughs> Jalen Smith, my guest. It's like Notre Dame, the Yankees, and then America's team, the Cowboys. And I got two of them under my belt. My man, I I do not want to get on the wrong side of you, but I kind of <laughs> ripped that America's team thing from you guys. Are you serious? I kind of did, Come man. Yeah, Kicking Tampa Bay's ass. Fudge Brownie. Feel good, smell good, play good. Blink and you'll miss me. Honored to be on this show with you. I love me some Jim Rome. I'm cool. Right, it went through your mind. Oh, shit. I'm going to this ragged-ass team. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> the New England deflate shit. I don't give a crap. No Irish, baby. Step my game Step up. Game. Good night now. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.